Hello and welcome to episode 243 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. I'm Kevin. And this episode, you know, this episode's topics actually ended up going in a direction I didn't expect. Like, I feel like typically this Thanksgiving Absolutely period Absolutely no direction. There is no direction, yeah. Because, like, typically with Thanksgiving, like, there's usually not much news. You know, we have Nintendo's big flagship holiday game, and we share impressions of that. But for the first time in... Wait, they had a I big don't know how many holiday years. game? They did, exactly. Yeah, Age of Calamity, Hyrule Warriors, oh, Age of Calamity was their was big their flagship big game. Flagship well, that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, I, this might be the first time in the show's history, it, possibly, that I don't think any of us bought the big holiday flagship game. Because there wasn't and one. It, there was it, a thing mean, that released was. on that day. Well, I mean, it, it did, like, it has no, an audience. No, it's Co- not. <laughs> It, it's no. definitely not a flagship. It's it definitely is not, not a flagship. Not game. even close. Right. Like, yeah. it, well, I mean, that's, and, that's, and, and, and I'm not even, and I'm not even, and I'm not even being like, oh, it's a a Warriors game. Actually, I guess I kind of am. Well, it sold already I, I three million am. copies because like Koei Tecmo can't shut up a game it. that Nintendo it's made. Well. The, the, yeah. no, 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 I'm no, sure yeah. the Attack on Titan <laughs> game also Warrior. from from Omega Force also sold like two million copies. This is the fastest selling Warriors game ever. I mean, I, when, when I think of a Nintendo flagship game, I just think of like a game first party made by Nintendo. That's first party. This is not a flagship yeah. game, and that's, and my, and that's and also guys. not a Musou game, right? Right. Which, which to my point, which you guys sort of uh, helped with, is that like kind of crazy this episodes... that this is like in the Switch life. Like, I mean, like in the Wii U days, I know we definitely had like a couple of years where we literally had nothing. But well, we always had the holidays. We always had the holidays. We always <laughs> had Christmas. <laughs> but but we yeah, no. We Animal just... Crossing. We had Amiibo Festival. Wait, oh, that's true. That was one of the holidays, wasn't it? But there was something with Amiibo Festival, wasn't there? It wasn't just Amiibo Festival. There's something uh, else. Oh, Mario uh, Tennis. Uh, Mario Tennis Ultra. <laughs> you know that gem. Okay, so I guess this is the first time since the sad <laughs> tail end of the Wii U. That there's a holiday game. I don't know which one is that we're not. I mean, talking this, about. Just, at least this one is better in a way because you know, like whether it's your cup of tea or not, it's still a a quality game. Like, I mean, there's still a lot of effort put in. There's yeah, still a well-made Warriors game. Are you trying the other to one? Say, even like, though even though it's even though it's a Warriors game, I'm sh- I'm sure it's a it's a fine game. It just didn't feel flagship to me. Are you are you trying to tell me that Mario Tennis Ultra with its one court and its like eight characters? Was less of a game than Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, because <laughs> you'd be right, you'd be right. But uh, yeah, I guess you guys are right. That's not a function. But I kind of yes. proved my point further because, like, you know, this episode would be the one to cover that game, whatever it is, and it was left in sort of limbo state as a result until, like, one by one, story by story, we actually got a good amount of stuff that happened over Thanksgiving week and the days after. Like, I'm talking actual news, like Super Nintendo World Gang, an opening date, uh, that Switch firmware update that had all sorts of weird Seems stuff. a little um, presumptuous, isn't it? Or what? is Japan just at a much better state that they can? Uh, they a, are at a slightly state. better state. Well, we'll get to the date when we get there, but they are in a slightly better state. America well, yeah, I mean, whole... February's going to come whether we like it or not. No, 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 no. I meant in this episode. If you want the update on our quarantine situation, listen to this week's uh, Quarantine Chronicles. I guarantee you. uh, This update is going to be a doozy. And it's going to be more of a doozy than we even think it is today. Like this week from here to there, it's going to get doozier. But um, yeah, but in this episode, we have that stuff. We have actual game announcements, like um, A New World Ends With You out of nowhere. And then like stuff like Fortnite's doing all sorts of crazy things. So like I guess the – very too long didn't read or too long didn't listen or whatever you want to call it is that this episode is just a bunch of stuff so we're going to be calling it 
holiday stuffing, which is not our strongest title, also not our weakest, frankly. Uh, but it is a total hodgepodge. So um, for everyone listening, you can follow Debatable. along. What was that? Debatable on the weakest. What would you say the weakest is? And how deeply can you offend me with this answer? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying it is debatably one of the weakest. Oh yeah, no, it is, it is, no doubt, because it's a total hodgepodge of an episode, like I started to say. So like now, mm. this episode, and like really, spoiler alert, uh, listeners, we literally came up with the episode title a minute before we started recording. This is true. This is true. I think uh, I'm gonna start saying debatably now instead of just saying it is or isn't, because I feel like that yeah, way it just kind of covers me. It's like I don't even have to defend it. Does, it does. It does. Yeah, it's debatable. It's debatable. It's debatable. Yeah. Some people say this is <laughs> the weakest episode. It, it, it's debatable. <laughs> I probably Some can't say. even debate it. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, there's timestamps on the blog post for this episode, which once again has the stellar title of Holiday Stuffing. Um, but <laughs> be sure be sure to uh, stick around to the very end of the show because we are going to be picking our Game & Watch <laughs> we actually went with that. winner. <laughs> yeah, we actually went with that. Yep. But uh, yeah, so stick around to the. I, I'm trying not to laugh, but stick around to the very end. We're gonna I pick our game to call watch it, winner. I, I wanted to call it the entitled episode. You never even said that, Kevin. I, yeah, I did. I said. I said. I think you're still on view. I pretty sure you're still on view. Yeah, I might. I might have still been there. <laughs> yeah, we have ever like laugh. Oh no, wait. We've definitely cracked up in the show before. Um, yeah, but yeah, holiday stuffing, dude. Holiday stuffing. Anyway. Oh, that's right. It was the Patriot. Um. Oh, yeah, that was a mess when you tried to describe the Patriot on QC. But anyway, um, yeah, so just to reemphasize because it got buried in Angel's laughter. End of the show, you want to stick around to see if you won the game and watch. Or if you didn't even enter, you could hear some Mario memories from us and others. So, you know, good times. But first, let's start where we always start, what we're playing. Um, Angel, you're taking the lead on this one, I think. What You're playing uh, Enter the Gungeon, right? Yeah, he started playing it. Um, it's a... The game, it's, it's been on my radar for a long time. Actually, uh, do you remember when it came out? It came out over a year Early. ago, I want to say. Been, it's been a while. It was like yeah, 2018 was or something. Yeah, right? and, yeah, Enter the Gungeon. Yeah, it was, it was, no, I think it's like 2017. It was definitely during that craze where all the roguelike games were coming out. All the pixel art roguelites were, were releasing by by the dozen. Because I remember yeah, I it, was, right. it was uh, early. It was one of the first few like good eShop games that I remember came out on the Switch. It came out in... December of 2017 on the Switch, but prior to that, on Xbox One, it came out in April of 2017, and prior to that, it was on Windows, Mac, Linux, and PS4 in 2016. The oh, more you yeah, know, top of your head, that game's old. Yeah, that was not well, me reading Wikipedia. That was my my Snapple cap of knowledge that I have. Yes. No, I'll I'll keep believing. Um, yeah, like I, this game caught my eye. A long time ago, mainly because like it kind of felt like it was cut from the same cloth from Binding of Isaac. I'm like you guys already said it's a roguelike game. Every it's kind of um kind of yeah, it's like randomly generated dungeons, enemies, that kind of stuff. But what kind of says this one, at least apart from Isaac and very few of the games that I've played, is that it just has like a nice um a nice tight feeling compared to Isaac. The way like, the way Isaac handles is very particular you can only fire in four directions this one you can fire in eight and that already makes it a lot different but besides that you also get like a like a dash roll so you get to vault over over bullets and dodge projectiles that way and you know that I've, that also just makes like the gameplay like a lot more hectic but this one unlike isaac and a few others like the character design it's a very tongue-in-cheek game like extremely tongue-in-cheek i I think the humor more than anything is what I love about it. 
And like to give an example, like the premise of the story is essentially um, these people for various reasons, um, whether they're like a Marine, a hunter or stuff like that, they want to enter the Gungeon to collect this mystical, powerful relic of a gun that will allow them to shoot and kill the past with like a time bullet or something and essentially like rewrite their future. And like through going through these dungeons, you fight like literal anthropomorphic bullets. Well, they're not even anthropomorphic. They're literally just giant bullets with faces on them, like little dot, dot, smiley face faces. And, you know, they're pretty funny. They wobble around a lot of character for, for such a simple design. And then like you, have bosses like I really don't want to spoil them, but I'll just say like the first one you encounter, which is like a, it starts off as like a crow, and then it flexes, and then like it, I guess like rips off all his feathers during the flex because it's just so bulging in muscle, and then it's pretty much just like a, like a muscle bound Gatlin gun wielding crow monster, and it's just like shooting waves and waves of bullets at you while you have to dodge them, and obviously the longer you survive, the more powerful you get you get to continue the run but if you die then you have to start all over in the breach where you where you get to pick another character and try again because it is one of those games where it's extremely short but you want to keep you just do it for multiple runs it's different every time it's fun you could play it with someone else which is really cool the only thing is that essentially the game only wants you to beat it as one of the special characters or one of the pre-selected, pre-selectable characters. Because presumably, like, you only get that one ending. Because the second player is forced to play as, like, a mysterious robe figure. And, yeah, they don't get a plot or anything. They're kind of just there as, like, your player, too. But they still get to get goodies and stuff like that. But, I don't know, it's really fun. Um, I would say it's more multiplayer-friendly than Isaac. Isaac does have a multiplayer mode, but... I mean, you could tell it wasn't really designed to designed for it it was kind of just thrown in there it works but yeah um this one is definitely more of a, a couch co-op kind of game and yeah definitely recommend it i mean i i don't know if it's still on sale um it was seven bucks when i got it it might be back to 14 or 15 was it was it part of cyber deals that um nintendo was doing because yes. so it's probably back yeah that all ended on the second so uh yeah and i mean if you like top-down twin stick shooters i mean this is a charming one that you should definitely get if you don't already have it because like we mentioned it's pretty old but i mean if you haven't played it you could play it and just get hyped for it because the sequel's coming out soon or it came out already exit exit the gungeon yeah exit is it exit the gungeon or return to the gungeon yeah no it's exit the gungeon unless they announce a a sequel that i have no idea about no no, i think that one's it because this one is no longer top down it's like a 2d it's flat it's like a 2d side scroller okay so so that's exit the gungeon and it's apparently not very good yeah isn't it more of a spin-off than a direct sequel like isn't it it, doesn't go further down the like bullet hell route so to speak i mean it definitely has a the title of the thing i mean enter and exit but yeah it, well, it does yeah, yeah it does depart from this first one so i wouldn't say if you like the first one you like the second one but if you like the aesthetics around the first one you may enjoy the second one but yeah watch a trailer <laughs> or maybe we'll end up getting <laughs> it and talking about it here but i mean that might be in another two years 
Ima- yeah, we're a little late with the Gungeons. Ima- well, imagine if our, po- I mean, if to our be show fair, just... I did, I did want to play this game a lot earlier. I remember, like, bringing it up to my brother who I would have wanted to play it with. Mm-hmm. And I want to say he responded with, not disgust, but, like, I don't disgust really want to play strong, that game. Disgust is like, a like, strong I, word. I, I, I can imagine him doing the face, like, like reacting to you. Hey, do you want to play this game, brother? I can, I've, I can already picture his face. Yeah, like I, I almost I, like I, a don't talk to me for a week. For some reason, I just imagine him going like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe he like already heard about it or something. But then later, he was the one that came to me. Thought like, hey, you should get into the gungeon. And then that was I'm like, but I, I'm pretty sure I presented this game to you a long time ago. But Isn't that weird when someone takes something you suggest and then flips it back as if they're suggesting it, and then you're like, wait. But like just in life, not in this instance. Just isn't that always? It hasn't, doesn't happen often, but I do recall me suggesting someone to someone, and then them not doing it, and then someone else suggested that same thing to that someone, and Gee, then it's almost like you're. It. It's almost like and you're then, targeting me with that comment. Hmm. Huh? Well, no, not even. Uh huh. I mean, yeah. Well, way to make everything about you. I mean, if you mm-hmm, can apply mm-hmm. it to you, then I mean, I'll put more power to you. But yeah, but yeah, that's under the gungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, have you been playing anything of note? Uh, not really. I'm still plugging away at Hades. Oh, such a such a good game. How yeah, how are your right Hades runs were... going? Oh man, I I usually do one or two runs a day. Uh, t- today I just did one run right before recording this uh, episode, and not one not my best run for sure. Probably one of my weakest runs. How long does a run uh, take from start to finish? Uh, it on it honestly depends. You could try to just quickly go through all the rooms uh you could find like optimal paths you could you could uh skip some optional things like there's some chests in some rooms that you can activate that mm-hmm. will then sort of reset the room so that you get some bonuses afterwards and you could just totally skip that that kind of stuff you could take rooms where there will be no fighting uh, at all that's you just pretty much skip an encounter completely right there mm-hmm. uh but usually they take uh anywhere from I would say 25 to 35 minutes. That's pretty, like, bite-sized to be able to do, like, one yeah. or two a day type of thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, still plugging away at that. Still possibly my game of the year. We'll talk about that soon. And Maybe possibly also the awards Damn. game of the year. It's I, mean, not I thought, uh, I thought yeah, Remake would be getting it, but, well, I'm not surprised. Man, if, if, if they put out a 60-frame uh, second patch for the PS5... For uh for Final Fantasy, I might dip back into it, and that you know that might make all the difference. But Wait, uh, so right that's all now, takes. No, just Hades. With those thirty frames per second in general, just like not acceptable to you anymore. <laughs> uh, not that it's not acceptable. It's just I'd rather not deal with it if <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> this just sounds so crazy. Like, I don't. So so I like I don't have to deal with uh. I don't have to deal with Final Fantasy in that I don't really don't have to go back to it. But I mean, I know if they do looks, put out that that patch, I will then try to platinum the game. I mean, I know sixty looks nice, but like sometimes like when I hear about like people like grabbing getting those like big graphics cards or like just trying to, I don't know, like I guess like bump up the resolution like so so much. Like I don't know, maybe because it's, I haven't got to that point yet. That maybe I don't know how hard it would be to go back but i guess because i'm not there you know like jason and i specifically like we kind of been playing like on the wii and all these like sd games only now that do i have like a powerful computer so it almost kind of makes me feel like 
do people really need that to make the game good? I mean, for example, like I know I've played, uh, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of like a, a PS4 game that I've played. That Death Stranding. Yeah, like Death Stranding or even... Death Stranding or, on PC. Try to, try to go back to the PS4 version. It's It definitely or, doesn't feel as good. Or even Alien. And I don't know, like, I don't know, I, like, I think to myself, like, oh man, I was really good on this, but then, you know, people have to play it on a nicer version well, that I have, guess is better. Have I ever I shared on the show my mom's uh, microwave theory of life? Because I think it's very applicable here. It's the idea microwave? that, like, yeah, so it's the idea that if you never had a microwave, you don't need a microwave. You can get by just fine without a microwave. You have a stovetop, you have a toaster, you can do things like other ways. But once you have a microwave one time, you are never going back to not having a microwave. Once the convenience is there, you're going to use the microwave. I feel like this sort of like once you're at the 60 frames, once you're at 120, once you're at whatever, it's really hard to step back down. But when you're living in that lower life, so to speak, it's fine. You have no comparison point, so it's not bad. Yeah, it's only what gets like, better that gets feels worse. Like I never thought that I needed a second monitor for my like my gaming personal computer, but now that I have a second monitor, it's like I can never go back to to the single monitor life. Like going to work and working on on our work computers, and it's only one monitor. I'm like, oh. This is so <laughs> I just I can't do it. I I totally feel that. Like I when yeah, I put together these episodes. Difference. Yeah, when I put yeah. together these episodes, I, I used to do it on my laptop, my 13-inch MacBook. I now, because I work from home, have my two like 20-something-inch work monitors, and I'm now writing it on the monitor with the links on my laptop and other stuff on the other. I'm using three screens to put this thing together, which is not necessary, but I can't go back to the tiny one because now I have three. Like it's just you know one of those things, and, and like kind of on the same token, like – I never understood the big deal about like, oh, 4K, whatever. I have a 4K TV now. I'm playing an upscaled Switch on it. And even then, like, the only games I really play this week, so anyone who listens to Quarantine Chronicles knows I've been in the process of a move. But the only games I really tried out were just different things on that screen to see how they look on the bigger screen. And like, the blues in Super Mario 35 are so blue. And I can't go back to like, lesser blues. Like, they're so blue now. And I'm just wondering, like, once I start going further down that road, if I can become more of a graphics snob. I, w- I wonder when... If the rumored Switch Pro has HDR, I wonder if you will be able to go back down to a non-HDR live. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the real test of that for me is probably not even going to be if the Switch Pro happens. It's going to be now that like HBO Max and stuff is is starting to put their, you know, Warner Brothers do a their movies on there, and they're going to be HDR and Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision and this right. and the next thing. I'm wondering if I like try and go play a Switch game, I'm going to be like, huh. This doesn't look as crisp. Like, I don't know. I haven't got to that point yet. So far, the games are good. And again, Mario's blues are so blue. But I, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I sense myself going down that road. And I don't know if I like it. Because Nintendo's the opposite of that normally. So I'm not sure how no, I'm going to have I mean, I, I've, reckoning <laughs> at some point. I mean, I've been dipping like, my toes like, briefed all... in it. Like, there's those games that have, like, you know, performance mode and fidelity mode or... So yeah. that's even on my computer, like, I'm playing Hearthstone, you know, the card game. Like, how much better can it look? I mean, I'll play it on my phone, my iPad, or on my desktop. But one time, like, I was playing, and then Elvis walked into the room, and he's like, ugh, like, why are you playing like that? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> then he goes to, like, the settings and, like, puts it all the way up. And they're like, ah, oh, there you go. Like, everything was, like, moving, like, super smoothly. It, it was more of, like, I, a frame rate thing. But, I like, like, I didn't even notice. 
I just like how Elvis in this episode is just this guy that walks into situations <laughs> with disgust. Like no matter what's happening, the story is always Elvis looks disgusted about something. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just trying to improve our lives. I know. He's disgusted at yeah. how, what low lives we have, yeah. But uh, alright, well I guess that that's it for what we've been playing. Um, I guess we could just go to the grab bag of news at this point, right? Because, you know, like I say at the top, um, it's <laughs> yeah, kind of stuffing turkey yeah the stuffing yeah because it's kind of odd how much actual like stuff we got during things like this traditionally quiet thanksgiving period and you know like some stuff like we'd expect like oh yeah switch sales are hot okay like they're opening a new they just started a new production line in malaysia because it's so in demand okay but like actual announcements of like actual things that that i don't think i at least expected and i I think really the most out of left field was square enix just like the week of thanksgiving it was like you know what this is our week now so first they announced um a kind of lower key thing they announced a remake of the uh ps1 game saga frontier a remaster will be coming to switch and i think ps4 or 5 um neat first upset fans but you know not necessarily big per se i can see why they would trickle that out on a quieter week but then on the other end of that spectrum they announced a new world ends with you game 14 years after the original called neo the world ends with you which seems like a big deal to just casually drop on like it the sounds Monday like a like a persona 5 royale kind of deal or a no this is from my understanding, ex or something from my understanding it's completely new it's um full body full body yeah yeah full body yeah, I think I think this one's completely new. It seems to have a different main character. They're talking about going yeah, back a, into the world of the Reaper a game. Full on 3D sequel. Yeah, Whoa. and it's uh, I mean, Kevin, well, you because you you played the original, right? Yeah. What's kind of your read on this? Like w- with that trailer where they didn't show a whole lot. It's like three minutes of basically dialogue. But um, yeah, I I mean, I can't really make heads or tails of it. They they, if I remember correctly, they briefly show some combat. Or yeah. Maybe it was just stills that they that you see online but i mean i can't really make heads or tails i don't know nomura is working on this he is but i wouldn't be surprised he is okay so this is now kingdom hearts canon at some point (laughs) at the end of the game i believe the the game sora is going to show up (laughs) donald is going to be i don't want to get into this well, you know, I was going to ask you, honestly, like, um, I guess spoiler territory for all of Square Enix. So, like, if someone is, doesn't want to know anything about any Square Enix, like, skip ahead a few minutes, but let me wait a beat. Okay, now that they skipped ahead, um, are you obligated to buy this, Kevin, because it is Kingdom Hearts? Because doesn't Kingdom Hearts 3 end with Sora dumped in this world, which means, yeah, dumped by in, definition, dumped. this is now a Kingdom Hearts game, and you play all the Kingdom Hearts games, so now you have to buy this, even if it was just sort of a fancy remake? Uh, I mean, I'll I'll try it out. I'm, if there's a demo, I'll try it out. Uh, the thing about the world ends with you is that it had a really interesting combat system on the DS, where on the bottom screen you were controlling. Uh, man, I forgot his name. Neku, I think. It's something uh, like that. Were, or Nico, or yeah, something were, like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you were tapping on enemies, and you had like little badges that you would tap on, and those were essentially your abilities. And you would swipe the stylus to to have him move around this sort of, uh, I don't, I don't know what kind of style you would call it. The Kingdom Hearts Sheen of Memories where, like, it's sort of 3D, but everything is flat. Isometric? If that makes sense. Eh, not isometric. It's sort uh, of Paper well, Mario? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. So. Like, side, side-scrolling, I guess? Like a, oh, 2.5, like a 2.5D? Uh, no, Wait. because 2.5D is, like, is, like... 
2D but with a with three like Fighter four point five. Like yeah. five. I would say I'm gonna stop guessing because we could do this for hours. Just yeah. <laughs> but at but on the top screen, you are also fighting uh, by using analog the the D pad inputs and the shoulder mm. buttons. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious at, to see if they're going to use that mechanic where you're controlling two characters at the same time. Uh, did did maybe they keep... sort of like a astral chain situation, but. Do they keep that in know. the Switch remaster and the phone remake of World with you? I, I didn't try those, so. Okay, because really I know you. that, like, like I feel like in some way, like, this sequel isn't really surprised because they kept re-releasing the original one. And then, you know, they had the anime uh, announcement at Last Anime Expo, and it's like this whole franchise for them now. But the reason I'm bringing it all up is because the game that was released on Switch and the game that was released on iPhone, they took that two-screen thing. It's one screen. Those devices only have one 16.9 screen opposed to two four threes. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering, like, they obviously I mean, had to you reconfigure can, you can something. Do things, you know, just just split it down down the middle. Right. But there's no but, touch. I guess there's touch on both, actually. So I guess it yep. could work. There's no D-pad on a phone, really. But right, I mean, or on the Switch on for Switch. that matter. Am I right? But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'll be interested. It, you know, you you. It's funny because you made the comment like I can't make heads or tails of it, and the thing that jumped out to me from the like 10 seconds of footage of combat. It kind of looked like Tales, like of Symphonia, like like it had like an action RPG vibe from what I saw. I think it's too early to tell, maybe, but like it definitely looked like it was like real time combat of some sort. Yeah, maybe uh, didn't look pretty, <laughs> honestly. But I mean, what can you do? With twenty twenty, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It, I wouldn't be surprised if this was sort of a low priority for Square Enix. Yeah, where they just. They're just like, uh, make this game. F- you can make your your World Ends with You sequel. Just make it for fifteen million dollars and call it a day. <laughs> well, what, what's and weird like, about yeah, it? They is will like... try to squeeze. They will try to squeeze that those fifteen millions into an enjoyable game. I'm sure. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's because you know it's it's uh if if it takes production production values take a hit, which they might. Like the cutscenes in the trailer were all comic book panels with speech bubbles, not animated. Um, it which looks that, that's like how they, that's how they were. Yeah, in, in the original. In yeah. the so so maybe they're trying to I, I guess they can just write that off as like, oh yeah, this is absolutely a sequel. We're doing exactly what we did. And and not say like, yeah, this is a budget game. I suspect they're using the because the game had like one of the cool things I remember about like I never actually played World End, World's End with the World Ends with You, but one of the things I always thought was very really cool about was the look of it, like that kind of pop comic book Shibuya hybrid thing and like honestly even though the game does seem a little budgety in its graphics like it is kind of staying true to that like like the sharp edges yeah, of like like they basically did no anti-aliasing but they kind of like mastered it, it, it like sharp it works edges to its it works yeah exactly yeah exactly and they, they essentially just 3 deified what the old one looked like without really like you know this is no octopath in terms of the amount of graphic detail it has but right yeah but um I guess we'll find out more. It's coming out next year. That does kind of explain why it's on PS4, not PS5, along with Switch, is because, like, the graphics don't really need it. <laughs> like, unless it's running at, like, yeah. 120 frames or something, in which case, okay. But Yeah, and plus you'll be able to play it on your PS5, no problem. Back, yeah, backwards compatibility, yeah. But it was kind of cool to see that Square Enix is, like, actually, you know, finally delivering something that fans of the original probably wanted for a really long time. I mean, this thing was a big game on the DS, and then kind of slipped away and sort of is rebuilding now so you would think though they do a bit more budget if they're launching an anime and stuff with it but who knows maybe it's also early they didn't say when next year was coming out just next year so 
Hard to say, but um, yeah, that was so. That's the world. Uh, Neo, the world ends with you. Um, but th- that franchise oddly wasn't the only game of the DS and Wii era that kind of got a new lease on life uh, over Thanksgiving. The WiiWare series, Bit Trip, the Bit Trip series, that's coming back too. Um, to Switch, although it's a bit more of a direct fashion, uh, Choice Provisions, who used to be Gaijin Games, um, they're teaming up with this publisher called Cubic Games, and they're literally just porting over all six of the originals to the Switch. So that's Beat, Core, Void, Runner, which is the predecessor to Runner 3, which may be a name that some Switch owners are familiar with. And Runner 2. And Runner 2. Well, yes, true. You had to get 2 to get 3. Um, but anyway, those along with Fate and Flux... Um, and you know, switch, switch ports are a dime a dozen, but these are good arcade games from what I remember from you playing the main troll, right? Cause you, you own the, what, 3DS collection? Wii collection? Yeah. One of the collections. It was, no, it was, it was 3DS, it was Bit Trip Saga, so, you know, it was in 3D, which was pretty awesome. And it did have all six of those, and it did play all of them. And, yeah, they were very awesome. I love this series. I mean, these are basically just rhythm games. Like, they're, they all go to the beat of, not any kind of like, I don't know. I guess like licensed music is just funky beats, um, funky techno, bleeps and bloops, but to rhythmic balance. And I guess like people that want to dig into it, you can find a story in there. Like you could say, Big Trip Beat. It's like where everything starts. It's literally just like single player pong. That's probably mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. But you're moving kind of. Yeah, but you're moving up and down, and you're just basically trying to block all these um, blips from, like, getting past you. But you don't want to... Yeah, you don't want to miss too many, because then you die. And that one's alright. I mean, it's it's fun. Like, I mean, the music in all of these is obviously really great. But, like, where it starts getting more interesting is, like, I would say probably Void is where, like, I start, like, really liking these. Um, Bishop Core, that one is... It's... It's interesting. It's very. It's more like um. I don't even know how to describe it, because it's kind of weird. But essentially, the game is split into four quadrants, and bullets are flying in from the top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, and all you do is press left, right, up, or down, and that will create a line that will block said bullet. So you want to make sure you're put the line in the right place so that you can block the little blip from getting past you and yeah, just causing damage. I mean, that one's mm-hmm. not fun. I mean, it's pretty, a lot of these earlier ones are pretty much just variation on the same thing. You could argue there's no core different between this one and bit trip um, beat, but core though, that one is where it did, gets a little more different. Did you say there's no, do you say there's no core difference? Is I that, did. Is that a pun? Um, we have to stop you in your will. tracks to confirm. <laughs> okay, but um, you can go on now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you just kind of derailed my whole train of thought there. Um, but yeah, um, bitch of void. I really like that one. This one essentially just moving a like a black sphere, or it's not even a sphere. It's just a, it's just a black circle. You're freely moving it around the screen. You're just trying to collect all the black dots while trying to avoid all the white ones. And they all move, you know, kind of to the rhythm of the music. You're essentially trying to follow a path. Every time you grab a little black void, you get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until 
you know, it just obviously becomes more and more difficult to dodge the little black ones. And I don't know, that one's really fun for some reason. I don't know, I just get like a lot of mileage out of that one. But then you get to, I guess I would say it's like the the main event, which is obviously um, Bit Trip Runner. Because that one is full on, yeah, that one's just like a full on little rhythm platformer. Um, mm-hmm. every obstacle, every projectile that you have to dodge, everything is timed to the beat of the music. So while it's not like rhythm heaven where you could literally play it with your eyes closed, um, if you are keeping up with the beat, you can do pretty well in it. Um, you know, you could just use the beat to time your jumps and stuff. And sometimes you kind of have to, cause sometimes projectiles will come at you really fast, but now you're just running from left to right. You press forward and you create a shield, press down and you slide, you have a kick. No, no, it's just really fun and it doesn't really get tiring. And there's even like some boss battles and that one, obviously, because of how great it is, it just kind of spun off into Bit Trip Runner 2 and 3, which kind of got wackier and wackier. Like Bit Trip 1 mm-hmm. had like an 8-bit aesthetic. Bit Trip 2 had a kind of a 3D wacky funhouse creepy aesthetic i don't know it was very toony it was kind of weird it, and um, it was very rounded like they really were like look these pixels are now 3d so they like everything was like curved like all the characters were, like curvy yeah i don't know if it's my favorite for that but i don't know it's just very weird um i mean well the the art style like the game itself is incredible yeah, the, the art style, like, I, I, yeah. yeah like like runner 2 is it's great. Like, if there was a way to play the Switch version, the Wii U version, if it got ported, I don't know if it did. I would definitely really recommend getting that one. I think and Runner they only 3, brought over three. And well, I didn't, think. well, three was always on the Switch. I don't think that was ever on the. Oh, that's Wii U. right. That's right. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, Runner three, and then that one. I mean, that one's just great. Like the art style just kind of got a little wackier. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it. It wasn't as good as two i feel like two just had better overall tracks and it also felt more polished i don't know something about three just kind of felt a little rough around the edges um not really a fault on it i mean i mean i still beat it but yeah something about it just didn't quite feel right it and it felt to me like two was this right game at the right time on the wii u and like they had you know they introduced like charles martinet as the voiceover it's like it was like perfectly like hey nintendo fans look at this and it had kind of the backing of nintendo in a way they didn't obviously pay to make it but you know like it had some of that weight behind it and i feel like three was just them going like can we do that again but they had none of the momentum yeah, like it was just also, them on their own, and thus it kind of felt a little rougher, and like it just was like them, like let's just do it again, and it's hard to make lightning strike twice and have that like perfect situation that the game. Yeah, and and, and and they're and they were and their big gimmick for this game or part three was more like oh, and now just from instead of just going left to right, now you're going in and out sometimes, or mm-hmm. and I mean I don't know that that doesn't really change much. It's kind of like Mario Kart 8's gravity, like that really only changes the track design. It doesn't really change much to the actual game. Not the way Mario Sonic All-Stars actually did have full-on flying, full-on, like, water sections that literally changed the mechanics of the game. And did feel it, that felt, like, more fleshed out. The more, I don't know, the other ones felt a little more timid. But, 
Where are they going with this? Oh yeah, and then finally you have Bitrip, Fate, and Flux. Fate is it's kind of like an on-rail shooter. It's kind of weird. Um, but you know, it's, it still works. But it's probably not as good as Runner. And then you also have Flux, which I even barely remember how this one worked. Um, so, you know, it's probably not even worth mentioning. Honestly, however much it costs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go at that. Um, no, that's fair. That's like, fair. I, 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 I mean, got a lot. They've been around for a while. I mean, I, I got a ton of mileage from literally just Runner and, like, Void. So, like, those would probably be good. And I might even pick this up again just so that I could play them on the TV. Because so, I definitely played the heck out of them on the 3DS. So, yeah, here's the caveat. Close to double dipping again. Uh-oh. Here's the caveat, though. They're not. They're decoupling them. They're not selling it as a package like what you bought. You can buy each of these individually for four ninety nine, starting Christmas Day. Which, on the one hand, That's is not like bad because yeah, because like you just mentioned you, you couldn't just yeah just get, get Runner like, and Void or maybe like eight I if do you want kind of wish yeah I do kind of wish you could buy them together. Um, because you, you it is nice and... to have the whole thing. No, like like in one package. Oh well, um, that's just kind of funny because technically with a menu that price... ties it all together. I mean, like it's oh, already yeah. there. Like, why not just? Because because uh, what I liked about the Bitrip Saga is that like it just had like one menu that like it shows like Commander video and then it zooms into him into his face and then you get to pick which one you want. And there are kind of like a story. I mean, there is like I mentioned, like it shows you like the creation of Commander Video and kind of he's, how he's evolving from like a simple pixel all the way to like what he ultimately ends up with, ends up as in Flux. But yeah, like oh, honestly, it's 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 a psychological thing, totally, because like the six games minus that menu you're talking about, the six games combined are like the same price as the collection would be, because you know it's five bucks a pop. There's six of them. Uh, it was thirty bucks to collect. Seems like a hassle to have to buy six separate but things like, in the cart. <laughs> not just that, but it's a psychological thing. But it feels like they're nickel and diming it a bit. They're not. It's the same price. That's in fact, it's probably to more work too much to do space six in my like switch home screen. Yeah, I guess. It's but like I don't a know. Lot just of something... real estate being taken out. I just want a one icon. Something about it. It's like. <laughs> but something about pricing psychology is so weird because you know, like Walmart obviously is infamous for like the oh we did rollback prices. It's nineteen ninety two, not ninety nine. That's so much cheaper. But like I don't know something about this. Like I'm falling for the psychology or the reverse psychology trick here. I guess of like it's technically a better deal. You can get the two or three that are good for half the price and not worry about the others. But it just feels I don't know. Like it feels like breaking apart the package feels like it's cheaper and so like cheapening it in some way. It's strange. I don't know if you have that same feeling. I know you like the idea of one menu, but it's 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 very weird that like literally it's the exact same price, but it just feels ugh. you know what I mean? Yeah, pretty icky. But yeah, tis what it is. But yeah, so that's out Christmas Day for anyone who's interested. Sounds like the recommendation coming out of you is uh, Void and Runner are worth checking out if there were any specifically to look at. Yeah, definitely check out a chart. I mean, they're they're all like pretty unique. They're all yeah, you know, they're all pretty unique from each other. Except maybe the first two. I mean, you have to look at um, the second one, which was um, core. No, not core. Um, yeah, it was core. Oh, it was core. Oh, it was core. Yeah, yeah. I mean, core like looks a lot different from two, but it's pretty similar. I don't know. You just have to see them yourself. But I mean, if you like. 
rhythm games, I think you can't really go wrong with any of them. But obviously, Runner is the the big one. I want this to succeed so Nintendo decides to do their series of art style and bring that over to Switch. I know, I feel like I talked about this briefly when we were talking a few episodes about how, like, weird Nintendo is missing from the Switch, like the small projects, you know, like the Jump Rope Challenge, or, well, Jump Rope Challenge is the closest we've gotten, but, like, the art style games on DSi were kind of like the, sort of like the parallel track to the Bit Trips at the time. Like, Bit Trip was this, um, we thing that was this outside party that's doing stuff. Art style is Nintendo kind of making a different aesthetic and working with different companies like Q Games, who does pixel junk and things like that. I would love if Nintendo like looks at this, sees it do well, or or even just looks at the Switch sales and goes, "Hey, free money!" and makes HD versions of art style. They're all simple little puzzle games, but they're all really clever. And it just it just seems like like this just made me think of that when I saw the announcement. I'm really hoping they someone in Nintendo had the same thought, but. Who knows? It, they're they're resting on some like, or they're sitting on some like pretty solid little bite-sized games. I hope they yeah. do something with it. But yeah, th- those were those were just a couple of the announcements that happened uh, during the holiday period here. But that that was kind of just the tip of the iceberg. Um, unless you have any other thoughts on Bit Trip. Um, no, that's pretty much it. We yeah. also got in that case the release date for Doom Eternal. Which is still, in fact, coming to Switch. It's coming this Tuesday, December 8th. And, uh, yeah, like literally in like two days, uh, from when this goes live. And it is now digital only, which is an interesting move. Uh, but Panic Button did not seem to skimp on the port at all. Like it's, you know, with, like with the original, has gyro controls, has, uh, support or plans to support post launch DLC. They're including the full multiplayer mode. But the thing that I was just like, oh, come on, is like, tell me as a Nintendo fan, if you haven't heard this one before, in typical, like, undercutting the late port fashion, of course, the Switch version of Eternal is arriving right about at the same time that Doom Eternal is now joining Xbox Game Pass. Mm. Which on the one hand, you know, they cater to somewhat different crowds on some level, like one is Doom and it's glitziest. Wait, isn't Game Pass $1 right now? It is, Yeah. Uh, so, but, but again, it's like, they're kind of slightly different audiences. Cause like you can have the glitzy glamor, like super f- nice graphics on your Xbox, or you could play it on the go on your switch. So they don't fully overlap. I don't know if it supports X cloud. So I don't know if you could do like do maternal streaming to your Android device yet, but, but the timing is just like, even with the different audiences, the time is just like, <sighs> like every time <laughs> Remember when this happened, mass effect on the Wii U and then EA is like, Nope, we're done. Like, they put Mass Effect 3 on the launch for the Wii U, and then Trilogy came out the same month for PS, I guess, 3 and Xbox 360 at the time. Like, it's just, nope. I don't know. I hate when this happens. Um, I mean, it it's probably a coincidence, because Microsoft, you know, they just purchased Bethesda, and now they're using those IPs. Um, but nonetheless, it's still kind of weird, which, actually, that's something we've never talked about on the show. How wild is it that Microsoft bought Bethesda a couple months ago? Like, all of Bethesda. Like, the company... Bethesda and all those properties. Does it make any difference? Well, maybe. I mean, well, first of all, just for those who don't know what Bethesda has, we're talking Elder Scrolls, Buggy games. Skyrim. <laughs> Do, yeah, Elder, <laughs> good answer. No, but uh, Elder Scrolls, Doom, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, upcoming stuff like Deathloop and Ghostwire. Like that's all. Am I forgetting a key Bethesda franchises here? So to be fair, they didn't necessarily acquire bethesda they acquired zenimax uh who are the owners of bethesda which means they own bethesda 
essentially. Unless yeah, they, but they, sell but they it. did, they didn't buy Bethesda. They bought Zenimax, which owns Bethesda. Which means they, they also have probably... some leeway with some other properties because it's like rights and laws. I'm sure there's some kind of law trickery going on in there somewhere. I'm not sure how well, that works, but I think could just be making it up as I go along. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll put it this way: Microsoft's doing interviews talking about what they're going to do with Bethesda. So I think they do essentially own Bethesda. Like, you know, yes. well, um, what, what the distinction that I was trying to make is yeah. that they just didn't go straight for Bethesda and left Zenimax. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Zenimax have any they other They bought studios? Zenimax and included the I'm sorry? Does Zenimax own any other studios? Uh, I'm not too sure, but they I do believe that they do have other products aside from video mm, games. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it seems like to your to your question Angel, um in terms of like the properties, I mean, these are now all balls in Microsoft court, Microsoft court with all these properties. But it sounds like they do plan to continue supporting other platforms, including Nintendo ones. So, you know, assuming Doom Eternal doesn't like get completely shut out because you can just go get it on Game Pass for a buck, um, it does sound like Nintendo's still gonna get games from Bethesda. Uh, literally, just like a week or two ago, the chief financial officer for Xbox was just saying that the idea isn't to remove Bethesda. But as the content from other platforms, it's to make it, as he put it, best on Xbox. So it's very much the Minecraft strategy because ultimately, you know, having these games on every other system, there's money to be made there. And but isn't Minecraft best on PC? Which is a platform owned by who? But it's not Xbox, though. You just said best it's on Microsoft. Xbox. Well, Xbox is their game division, which includes. I know that's why you said yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and I'm, being, I'm being nitpicky fair about point. it. I know. I know. Otherwise, otherwise, if you would have said best on. Microsoft, I guess. On Microsoft, yeah, it's not a thing. But yeah, they, um, you know, it sounds like they're gonna basically either launch it first on those platforms and move it over later, kind of like they've, we've seen happen with Ori coming to Switch, both games in that series, or they're gonna do multiple launches, but have it like be, you get on, or multi-platform launches, but you could get it on Game Pass if you have it on Xbox, or you could get like some exclusive thing if you have it on Xbox. But it is, it does sound like even though this acquisition happened, um, all these franchises being under Microsoft don't necessarily mean we're not going to see them anymore, which in a way uh, is good. Quick, quick, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Quick correction. No, so, so Zenimax Media mm-hmm. uh, basically controls pretty much the world, exclusive exclusively everything that Bethesda publishes, mm-hmm. without them being called Bethesda exactly. If that makes sense. So they're like a holding company. So, so, so like Bethesda's games are published by Bethesda. But then Zenimax also owns uh, id Software, Tango Gameworks, but they're published by Bethesda. So it's almost like if they were published by Zenimax instead of Bethesda. That, that's where some of the confusion Interesting. Is. Well, that explains how like Doom and Wolfenstein fell into this. Yeah, because they're not Beth- – They're id, they're not yeah. Bethesda developed. They are Bethesda published, but they're all owned by Zenimax. So basically they have a bunch of sister studios, but they didn't establish publishing arms in all studios. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's like second party. It's like internal second parties, which I guess are first parties. Yeah, which is just first parties. <laughs> yeah, it's it's – This confusing. is – yeah. But uh, – well, thank you for that correction. Yeah, that that is very strange. But um, yeah, this is kind of interesting. I mean, well, one, like just the sheer like magnitude of that. That's a big acquisition, but it is kind of interesting. Oh, it, it was like one of the biggest power moves in oh, yeah. recent video game history. And now it's, it's like if Sony were to buy EA. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, that'd be crazy. Which, but you know what's funny? Which, which, the, which the acquisition of EA... All, it, it, something? An unprecedented it, it, partnership. The, yes, Angel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, there's always rumors about, like, EA and Sega being bought, like... Well, Sega, there was a moment, Sega was a thing. Um, Back when Xbox was trying to be established over at Microsoft, they approached Sega and Nintendo about acquisitions because they would just buy their way in. Because, you know, at the time, this was 2000 or so, and Microsoft was the biggest tech right, company. Right. But, but but I was saying, like, more recently. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 there's all, there's been rumors of, like, oh, can you believe who Microsoft's about to buy? Sega. I'm like, whoa, man. That means yeah. they, they technically buy Atlas as well, and it's like, oh. But it's interesting though, because if they're going multi-platform, does it really matter? They seem like I mean, it is nice. They're, be, you, you they're don't being want... very, very coy. They, That's like, what I was about to say. Everything coming is... from Phil Spencer, everything coming out from like other uh, studio heads mm-hmm. and like uh, Microsoft publishing like executives. It's it's almost contradictory, which is a little infuriating. <laughs> uh, because like you had a couple of weeks ago, Phil Spencer saying that like. We don't have to put our game. We don't have to put these these Zenimax games multi platform in in order to make our money back. Pretty right. much saying like, yeah, we don't have to put these on PlayStation at all. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine yeah. with not putting them on PlayStation or or N- Nintendo at all. And, and they then you will... have this guy yeah. being like, oh yeah, like we we don't plan on cutting Nintendo and Sony out. We just want it to be the best on our platform. We're like, well, which one is it? No, that's fair. That's fair, and it's, and it's interesting because like. Um... Both strategies are currently Microsoft's strategy, which is strange to say because it is contradictory. But like, remember for a while there, oh, all these Xbox games are coming to Switch. Oh, they're gonna maybe bring Game Pass to Switch. It felt they're talking about how they want to be open ended and platform agnostic, and you know it's all about getting games in people's hands. However, it is, and then they suddenly pumped the brakes and went, but like we are gonna launch this console. So uh, everything we just said. Nah. Like, I think Phil Spencer literally at one point was saying, like, it got to the point where every Xbox game, someone would ask him, is it coming to Switch? And he got tired of having to tell them no. So he's just, now the blanket statement is, nothing will. But he was the guy that, like, two months earlier was like, yeah, everything will. So you're right, there is a little contradiction there. Um, I mean, that's mm. where the rumors of, you know, Halo coming to Switch really came from. And it sounded like at one point People thought it was going to happen. Gonna happen? The way Microsoft was talking... Wasn't there that that Halo DS prototype? There was, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, Halo existed on DS and is officially sanctioned by Microsoft, and it was somewhat in development, and then they pulled the plug because I guess it wasn't up to par or whatever. But yes, it was a thing. And they've they've worked with Nintendo before. Obviously, um, you know, some of the rare stuff that happened, like Rareware stuff that happened on the DS and GBA, Microsoft basically loaned out Rare back to Nintendo to do Diddy Kong Racing DS and uh, some of the GBA stuff like uh grunty's revenge banjo kazooie although that was via thq but like they the, microsoft has been on nintendo for a while now zoo tycoon i remember the tycoon games were on ds and they were again published through thq but they were microsoft studios that were making them so like they have this weird like like will they won't they sort of thing going on with nintendo um and you, you know this is just a much larger scale because of the properties involved um yeah, so I mean, we'll see, I guess. But it is interesting, uh, kind of you're saying that, like, you know, how is a power move and what's Sony going to do? It does kind of feel like there's some sort of arms race starting to happen now. Because, like, but this is definitely the biggest get yet. But uh, Sony's CEO, the interactive entertainment CEO, Jim Ryan, is saying that they're open to buying up some studios to help bolst- uh, bolster their PS5 lineup. Huh. Not going to happen. Of course Sony not. constantly bleeds money. 
<laughs> it, it's usually always like PlayStation's the only profitable branch of Sony. Yeah, but they're they're open to it. They're open to it, and it does make you wonder, like if so, if if Microsoft's buying up companies left and right, and Sony, they'd be least... lucky to get like they'd be lucky to have enough money to buy like THQ. THQ doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, oh, they that's do. How they do. Oh, you're right, THQ Nordic, right? Yeah, no, yeah. they they are now THQ again. They, they dropped the Nordic. Nordic. When did they drop really? the Nordic? Huh. Yep. Uh, I, unless I'm just speaking you might be right. out of my butt now. No, you might be right. The, the funny thing about that is like like there's a conglomerate for you. Deep Silver, who owns THQ Nordic and a bunch of others. Koch, or Koch Mia, who owns T- Deep Silver and THQ Nordic and a bunch of others. Like That's kind of like a low-key like powerhouse company. But um, yeah, it does, it does make you wonder though, like I don't think they're going to anytime soon, but like, is Nintendo going to jump into the fray here? I mean, they, I would guess not, since outside of Retro Studios and uh, Monolith Soft, they tend to prefer second party style relationships, like, you know, what they do with next level games for Luigi's Mansion, or, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, someone like Tec- uh, Koei Tecmo with Age of Calamity, where it's a separate company from Nintendo, but they're working in tandem with them, or all the stuff they do with Namco Bandai all the time. But it is still sort of an interesting question, like, if Nintendo were to acquire someone, who would actually make sense to acquire? Like, who fits Nintendo or complements them well? Because, like, Molisoft, to me, did not feel like the obvious choice for Nintendo to acquire. Like, the Xenogear series, but what they've provided for Nintendo has been incredibly useful. Like, both in terms of the technical know-how for these broader games, they, you know, they help with Breath of the Wild, Xenoblade's been very big for Nintendo, but also, like, you know, you look at how they acquired, like, Retro, and Retro's, like, helping with Mario Kart games now, and, like, obviously did the Donkey Kong stuff. So there, there is, like, sort of... And, you know, they were bought to fill a void with Metroid Prime. So there is sort of this, like, what's missing in Nintendo's lineup that a third party can, can help with, which is a different perspective, I think, than what Microsoft is doing, where it's just, like, what IPs can we snatch up that will be, like, a big deal to us? So it, do, it does mm. make you wonder, like, what could... Like, what IPs could we buy for Microsoft? Like, what IPs could we buy that would, like, sell our service more or sell Xbox more? Well, Nintendo's look, it feels like all their partnerships look to augment their first party offerings. You hate to say Before that. Before the uh, Tencent stuff, I would have said uh, they absolutely would have bought Platinum. That is 100% what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Tencent Me only has, I think, a no. quarter to half stake in Platinum, so Nintendo could buy it out. Nintendo works with Tencent. They could do a sure. co-ownership. What were you going to say, Angel? Yeah. Not nothing. Oh, I thought you were about to say something. But yeah, no, like Platinum I think makes a lot of sense. Um, like I feel like their stuff is already so intertwined with Nintendo. Like I realize Bayonetta started – What? I can only think of two things. Well, they're two biggest, Bayonetta and Wonderful – well, Wonderful One is not their biggest. But um, what do you mean by two things? Like two of their franchises? Yeah, just those two. Those are the only things I could think of that... Well, not even Bayonetta. I wouldn't even say Bayonetta feels Nintendo. They just own it. That, that just feels kind of like circumstance. I, well, that's I what think... I mean. Is like now like it's tied to the brand. So even if it did a game like Bayonetta have roots somewhere else, it like, Nintendo's marketing of it has been so tied into their systems now that Bayonetta like, kind of is a Nintendo property. I mean, granted, they just own it, but that's true with like, the Xeno games. Is gears and they acquired it and they just sort of spun into their own thing. And plus, like Platinum, you know, they well, yeah, they, they spun it into their own thing. Xenoblade, 
Yeah. I think if you ask like a Xenosaga person, it's not really like the same thing as Xenosaga. True. Like Bayonetta True. 2 is literally just a sequel to Bayonetta 1, which they were probably hoping to already make, but they probably couldn't find the funding and then Nintendo right, just bankrolled right. them. Like, because I never thought of Bayonetta as like, I mean, the fact that it even got bought out by Nintendo and became it, it's like amazing. I mean, it's a cool thing it happened, but it always, mm-hmm. it, it feels more like a black sheep, which might even be appropriate because the Umbral Witch well, yeah, is they're, kind of, they're... like, it, I don't know, it's, and then just the fact they're in Smash Brothers, I feel like doesn't even help make it more Nintendo-y. It's just, you know, they're just obviously embracing it. They're making the most of it. But, like, when I think Nintendo, like, I think Wonderful 101, like, that felt like a game that was designed to fit with, like, Nintendo's aesthetic. I mean... Where where do you rank Astral Chain? Because that's also a Platinum original that Nintendo bankrolled. That one feels more Nintendo. That would be under Nintendo-y. Wonderful 101. It's, it's, like, okay. it's like somewhere yeah, between fair. Bayonetta and Wonderful 101. But I guess the key thing about all of them is they are filling a void or a hole or whatever in Nintendo's lineup that Nintendo doesn't usually make. Like they don't do these sort of like over the top action you know, games. Exactly, exactly. And you know, the, and even like when Platinum tried to make a Star, a Star Fox, a Star Fox Zero, like it was a Star Fox, it just had wonky controls. Um, but nonetheless, like they they're very versed in the Nintendo world now. So yeah, I think. Um, I think Platinum would probably make the most sense. I feel like Next Level Games basically is a first-party studio, but, like, I don't know. If Nintendo were to acquire someone else, like, that seems like such a given. That's right. Next level, see, Next Level Games makes perfect sense. I mean, they literally... I mean, it would have made sense for them to acquire the people that make um, the Mario Luigi games, but I don't know what happened to them. But, see, it's almost like it's almost like Nintendo's looking at those situations, that they, those partnerships they currently have, and going, well, hey, this works as is. We don't need a... Like, we don't need to buy next level games. They're already doing stuff for us. They're already doing the types of games we need them to do. It's almost like they need to go seek out people like Platinum, where if they were to buy anyone, which, again, I don't know if that's a toy of their speed, but if they were to, like, they need to find someone that's going to offer something different. Like, I almost think, on some level, they made a mistake in not buying Monster Games, who made ex- the Excites, uh, both the bots, the truck, the trucks, the bots, and I think Excite Bike World Rally, or maybe not that one. But, like, they, those were kind of, like, these sort of racing games that's very not Nintendo's type of racing game. Um, they're arcadey. They're kind of like the cru- they're like an update of like the cruising formula. Like that would be an interesting company to possibly uh, bring, you know, into the fold. Or maybe a sports developer of some sort. They used to have a lot of sports games in the N sixty four days. Like they had the whole N sports line, and they had deals with Kobe Bryant and Ken Griffey Jr. and like all these different things. And they kind of trickled some of those over to the GameCube and then they fell to the wayside and even stuff like Wave Race kind of was like part of that and 1080 Snowboarding was kind of part of that whole like sports angle that disappeared and if EA is not going to give them Madden um, I mean we do get FIFA but it's a really old port we do get um, do we even get baseball? I don't even think we get we will be getting baseball actually MLB the show is going to come to Switch What? there's a lot of sports games yeah you get, yeah, they announced that last year. Sony said they're going multi-platform with their renewed deal with uh, that was last year with, uh, with Major League Baseball. This year has been like twenty I years think it was long. Last year. <laughs> I know, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my point is like there is like that void that Nintendo could fill with with sports or extreme sports or something. It's just like I don't know who they would buy for that necessarily, but it just seems like there's opportunities there. Should they should Ooh. they take the bait and want to do it? But, Way forward. That would be an that interesting one. That one makes sense, yeah. 
that one I could see them or especially after that hit Bakugan game. <laughs> well, I mean, it did have Leonidas, so there was no way it wasn't going to be a hit. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, that could actually be kind of an interesting one because I think they don't necessarily have to buy them, but they seem like a next level game store to source to you where it would be great if they did like a Wario Land or something and really sort of own like that type of 2D platformer. Like the Do they own Metroidvania. the company that makes Kirby's Epic Yarn? Good uh, feel? Good feel, I believe there's, I think they might be a second party. Nintendo rarely buys companies. That's what's so strange. Because hmm. it leaves them out. Fit, I think. Oh, yeah. So they don't yeah. own Retro. They're just a second party. This is like a partnership. Or no, something? no. Retro they do own. There's a few they do own. They own Retro. They own Monolith. They owned Past Tense Rareware. Um, but those are like it. Like there's not a lot of internal stu- Like, you know, I if you look at like Xbox Wait, I don't think Studios they ever or Rareware, Sony's. right? Because I remember like Rare put – they were on they sale. They were like – I think they wanted to be bought by Nintendo, but Nintendo refused – they owned uh, 51% of Rare or something like that. So just enough to have a controlling I can't stake. believe they got rid of them. Like that, that, now, I mean, I'm sh- I don't know. I don't want to say I'm sure there's a reason because maybe there isn't. But that one was like, I feel it's always like the most perplexing one to me because like, why would you give up Conquer and Banjo? I don't know what else they gave up. I guess GoldenEye? Jet Force Gemini. Jet Force Gemini. I guess Perfect, <laughs> and Perfect Dark. Dark. Well, hmm. I think well, I think out for loud. Nintendo, <laughs> Battletoads. I think I think the thing with that, yeah, Battletoads. If you think about <laughs> you know it, from, uh, well, actually, I, <laughs> hmm. you, you know, truthfully, why? I, I think mean, I do love Banjo and Conquer was cool, but at the same time, huh? I guess. I mean, all those are acclaimed games. I mean, they did make Donkey Kong Country Gold one, two, three, which you know that is a big deal for Nintendo and. Maybe that is why they distanced themselves from the Kremlings for a while, except for K. Rule and Mario Sluggers for some reason. And he had like a stubby tail. Or I don't even think he had a tail in that game for some reason. Take that one up with Namco Bandai. I don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> yeah, they gave him more of like a an Aztec design because they gave him like a like a neck wear thing. But anyway, you know you you know truthfully why I think they let Rare go. If you look at what Rare did, well, Rare saved Nintendo's butt in the N64 game. That's like how they, they repaid them? There were so many gaps in the lineup. Nintendo had so much curb. trouble. And yeah, exactly. And Rare's like, we it's got you. Check. But you know, you know what started to happen is Rare notoriously. <laughs> what? What was that? Oh, no. Like the Nintendo, like, I'm sorry, man. We just outgrew you. I, I mean, in a way, not really outgrew, but Rare notoriously. Had a never problem? delivered their games on time. Oh. They can never. <laughs> they can never release their games on time. They ne- never. Because they're kind of always. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Makes sense. Uh, but. <laughs> but yeah, and I think inspired Conquer. That, I mean, frankly. Conquer was originally supposed to be yeah. a not rated M game, and then it became and that. Then, oh boy. Yeah. No, but um, rare could not deliver a game on time. Dinosaur Plant was an N64 game that got delayed so much, Nintendo basically was like, well, let's put it on GameCube. Okay, now let's give it Star Fox so it can actually sell because we're so far removed from the announcement and the hype. Um, like, yeah, it they are they were notoriously bad at releasing games. So Nintendo probably was looking at it and going, all right, well, what they do release is basically stopgap for us, and it mirrors us. So we have Mario 64, they have Banjo-Kazooie. We have 
Mario Kart, they have Diddy Kong Racing. We have Zelda, they sort of have Star Fox Adventures, or Dinosaur Planet at the time. And they're probably looking and being like, yes, they gave us GoldenEye, yes, they did Donkey Kong Country, but we have Metroid Prime now, we got our shooter, even though it's not really a shooter, we can do Donkey Kong, and they probably no, well, like, you know our what? shooter we'll, people we'll, can do Donkey what? Kong. You know what? We don't need we don't need to have grabbed by the ghoulies in our in our exactly system. exactly. They were like, you know what? Yeah. Like, cool. your ghoulies grab get grabbed by the, ghoulies by to the blinks else. to time cap people. Let the blinks people have it. Um, but yeah, I think I think I know Where Nintendo. Where is uh, based from, out of? Uh, they're in the UK. Then the UK. Huh. That's something. Yeah, they're in a farmhouse in the UK. Oh. They work in a giant converted farmhouse. Yeah. Pretty cool. Like the history of Rare is really interesting. It was like these two brothers that started the company, and then they somehow secured a deal with Nintendo early on. They used to be an independent company entirely, and then they started doing stuff with Nintendo. And then uh, obviously Donkey Kong Country happened, and the rest is history. But um, yeah, they could not deliver things in a timely manner, and all that they did, if you think about, it, was just kind of the same things Nintendo did. So if you're a Nintendo and you're like, I'll pay this I think much to this to day, keep they you. still can because and, didn't see if these get like delayed a bunch it did yeah it's supposedly very good now but yes it got delayed a bunch and they did some like post-game stuff and all that but but if you're nintendo and you're looking at like rare's output and and then you are like okay maybe this is worth x amount and then microsoft comes in and goes we'll buy you for your name give us here's double the money if i was nintendo i probably would also go you know what we'll be okay and just kind of like rare only had one gamecube game period like it took them like three years before they got bought by Microsoft when the GameCube was out and they had one game. What was it again? And they're supposed to be this prolific developer, Star Fox Adventures. But when the GameCube was announced, oh. they're going to have Donkey Kong Racing where they ride the animals and that never happened. So like, you know, I think that's probably where Rare went. The but, OG and maybe Microsoft that's Rare logo is so bad. Something, it's so right? boring. It's, it's, yeah, it's something. But I, I, I actually now that I think about it, would not be surprised if that's why Nintendo doesn't outright buy developers a lot. It's because they maybe did get a little burned by Rare. Like obviously Rare saved them, but also like kind of not. <laughs> so maybe that's why they partner with other companies. But who knows? Um, that was a bit of a tangent, though. Unless you guys have any other thoughts on Rare, there, there was another game that just oh, I, got I just some another news. game that uh, that uh, another game another dev company that Nintendo should buy. Or that would fit mm. perfectly with them, Yacht Club. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Shovel Knight's such, like, a huge property in the indie world that if they, mm. like, lock that in... It already feels so Nintendo-y anyway. Yeah, like, I... I don't think I th- of anything else but Nintendo when I think of uh, Shovel Knight. You know, honestly, I feel like the more you're suggesting these indie studios, the more I'm realizing I don't think Nintendo necessarily... I mean, I think the sports thing is still an interesting angle, in my opinion, but, like... They Angel. would probably do best with the indies. What was that, Angel? It's Angel. You said Angel. Angel. Oh, ha. No. Yes. I, I meant the word Angle, not the word not your name, but hi Angel. Uh yeah, no, I uh the indies name I actually do kind of the best with. <laughs> like, um you know, what they did with Crypto Necro Dancer and turning that into um the Zelda game. Or like give f-zero to the fast racing neo guys if they don't want to make it themselves at nintendo like there's very there's a lot of opportunities here yacht club way forward probably somewhere not even thinking of like runbo it seemed very close to being a first part like it felt like runbo could very easily like 13 a.m games could have ended up working with nintendo on future stuff but then they kind of they're doing a monster fighting game now or something like a godzilla destroy all monsters melee type of game mm. um which 
is not coming out till next year, I don't think. But uh, either way, that well, next year's in three weeks, so I guess it's not surprising. But um, yeah, like I feel like those little studios that could just sort of like figure out their uh, their niche and then have Nintendo sort of supply the IPs or work with them in tandem. That might be kind of an interesting way to do it. But it's kind of the opposite side of the coin, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, but speaking of companies that are supplying their IPs to other companies, there's one other game that uh, just got dated by accident. Uh, oh, man, if you thought like we were done talking about weekend. Warriors games. Oh, yeah, they're back. Uh, Persona 5. Striker. Claire, they're going to make a Warriors also game. Known as as they're like a Gundam Warriors game. I wonder what Warriors games they have. There's literally a Warriors for everything. And there's going to be a Mario one eventually. Is, I honestly would be okay with that just because I'm yeah, curious what they that do I'm thinking that. about it, like, yeah, he's got his spin attack that will like just knock fifty Goombas, just beat <laughs> them into the air, and just like <laughs> uh, I love when people say eat something into the air. That sounds hilarious. Truthfully, a Mario Warriors game could be really fun. That would be the only one I would accept. That would be the one the few I would accept because they normally have such basic attacks to no attacks. Yeah, that giving them attacks would just make them more interesting. And they could also, instead of just having other characters, they could do, like, Dude, you know, you could give Bowser. them a flood backpack. Would, it's like, the only time I wouldn't mind just, like, minus the matching one button if I could do it as Bowser. But To be fair to the Warrior Games, you mu- you mash, like, three buttons, not just one. But, yeah, no, I, I think a Mario one could be really cool. And then they could even, like, can you imagine playing as, as Birdo and just having all these attacks or shooting an egg out of your face hole? I don't know. It's not I've been mouth, uh, keeping track of how many times you mentioned Birdo. And it's actually been increasing year by year. This year, oh, has it? Yeah. Has it, it, at it, what percent? At what percent? It's increased this year by eighty percent. How many times you mentioned Birdo? So it's, it went from zero to eight. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember last time I mentioned Birdo. Eight but, times right. more. We've had at least like two other conversations where you've brought up Birdo whenever we we do the like oh. Um, what character do you think should come out of something? Like any kind of like weird mention like that. Birdo does Birdo doesn't get enough love. Neither does War. Really just Mario 2 needs more love. And I feel like a Warriors game could give it. I mean also like Captain Toad with his little pickaxe. Perfect. Uh, there's so many. A Mario Warriors game needs to happen. Like, Peach with honestly, her umbrella. Yeah. It, it, I yeah. All the, bring back her attacks from Super Princess Peach where they made it really like sort of sexist by, by yeah, like, here's her emotions. That. Yeah, maybe don't do that. But yeah. um, Calm down, yeah, Jason. Like, Calm down. Bring it back. <laughs> Just kidding. That's but like Daisy. Daisy. Um, who else? Golf club. There's so it. many. Yeah. You you can even control I mean, enemies. Like, I mean, they, what, yeah, you were I a mean, swamp. I mean, they could get wild. I mean, they could bring in some of the people from the RPGs or stuff like that. I mean, they got the. It, there's so much potential. They got. You could Cacletta. Oh, Fawful. Yeah, that would be a good one. All the Koopa Even Wario, Waluigi. Or did you already say that? But no, but that's a good one. I think. I think. Uh, you know, for Mario's 35th anniversary, well, they missed that boat. Maybe for Mario, maybe a celebration of Super Nintendo World opening when we get to that later. So maybe that they do that when the park fully opens in two months. <laughs> of a game ready i don't know uh but yeah the one we were gonna talk about persona 5 strikers previously known to our listeners as persona 5 scramble because i think kevin you shared impressions of the japanese version which is scramble in like what march like before lockdown does that sound about right yeah, oh. no, i think it was before february 
Really? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, so. this, because this is going to release here almost over a year after it released in Japan. That's crazy. Because yeah, they uh, it got leaked late Thursday night. Uh, the video, which said that it's coming February something, February thirteenth. Yeah, something like that. Um, it's gonna be properly announced on Tuesday, the eighth, the same day they could pick up Doom Eternal. For download only on your switch doom, doom, uh, yeah, pater- doom this... paternal <laughs> did i say paternal okay, i heard paternal doom eternal yeah it, yeah it's uh doom <laughs> doom paternal yes but uh yeah it's gonna be announced officially uh persona not doom paternal as a uh, part of a 25th anniversary stream but yeah they um atlas at least took the leak in stride they made some crack about like the phantom d's intercepting on twitter but uh yeah, it's it's finally happening. It's not normal Persona Five on Switch, but you know it's something. Yeah. You gotta get it, Kevin. Well, it validates oh, Joker and Smash more, <laughs> especially especially because they announced the PC version. So, which was oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the oddest, the oddest part of that uh, announcement. Hmm. Um, I, I do wonder. Or go ahead. Sorry, we're uh, Next year is going to be a really good year for Shin Megami Tensei fans because we have the Nocturne remaster. We have this, and I mean, supposedly we're getting Shimigami Tensei Five, so we'll see. Hmm. It. I mean, it makes sense. Twenty fifth anniversary year. You might as well go big. Yeah. I, I do wonder if, like, I mean, obviously Persona's built up a huge fan base with Five and even Four, but more so, more so with Five and Joker and Smash and all that. So, like, it's, it's gaining momentum. But I do wonder if, like, the other side of the coin, like. The Warriors franchise is gaining momentum, or like the genre of gameplay is gaining momentum. Because, like, I, I was saying it sort of at the top of the show, and we were joking about how no one's playing Age of Calamity, but like, three million copies in like two weeks or one week or something. It's the most, the fastest of Warriors games ever sold. And I wonder if like people are gonna play it. But I don't think like that's the Zelda because element. It's a Musou game, exactly. No, it's because it's it's Zelda. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm getting at is if people get it for Zelda and actually like the gameplay and then are looking for similar experiences, if having Scramble, now that. Strikers, on Switch Zelda... in a couple of months may interest them. I mean, they have the Hyrule Warriors to look after after. I'm sure most people that skip yeah, Hyrule Warriors like... will probably check out Age of Calamity if they'll be that desperate for content on Nintendo. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, this is the most, the uh, biggest spotlight this genre if you could call it that, has had in its existence. And I won I wonder if there's gonna be a bit of a ripple effect where Persona can benefit. Or other, you know, Mario Warriors or whatever they call it when the time comes. But but yeah, that got leaked, so that's happening. Um and then there was Fortnite. Now obviously, Fortnite isn't a new game. They just keep on doing new stuff. Um like not only did they have this massive closer to the last season uh, chapter that drew in over 15 million consecutive players, which is the biggest in the game's history, even bigger than when Travis Scott did his crazy performance. Uh, but then they launched a new chapter of their season right after that with more crossovers than probably ever. I don't know. Kevin, is you're you're like our resident Hearthstone? Fortnite guy. I mean, Hearthstone. Ha- Minecraft, is Minecraft still like way ahead of them in terms of, I guess, like most bot slash played game ever? Or at this point, it's Fortnite, like... Closing well, in on it's, that it's for, not really com- or it's not even comparable i guess is what you're trying to get at um, well you can't do a bot comparison because fortnite's free um hmm. in terms of player base the numbers that microsoft keeps going around 100 million are accounts made and i don't know if epic's ever gone on record about how many fortnite accounts or epic games how many made. v-books have been but purchased they, 
Exactly. Like who knows? But there is, you know, saying you have 15 million people that are tuning into a specific event. In this case, um, it was what was it, Galactus or something? But um, like the big Marvel culmination. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, that's a lot of people play one thing. Like TV shows would, many TV shows would really like to get 15 million people. Like at a big award show, like the Emmys or something, is only a few million more than that. So if there's 15 million people going to like play a game at once, that's at once in one live event that's a huge deal even if it's not the hundred million accounts that like minecraft has accumulated over its entire existence or whatever but um yeah kevin how it how is the what do you make of all this stuff like it's getting crazy like it's barely even it's like outside its ip now it's it's all these ips yeah how, uh, walk us through what exactly is going on first i guess uh well i mean this so as a lot of people know fortnite sort of rebooted itself with chapter two uh with chapter two they had a brand new map and the game pretty much went to a back to basics meta where there was no crazy items it was literally gunplay building and you know some some like wacky interactions with the map they, they added some new mechanics um that kind of freshened up the game the second season uh then did like the spy theme that i thought was really neat uh, mm-hmm. added some some player versus uh, play what player versus environment uh elements to it, which which mm. were fun. The third harkening season, back to what they were originally going for, wasn't that like a thing? In this uh, n- no, not not necessarily because I I believe save the world is more a tower defense game. Mm. Um, well, this is you're you're just like you're just like fighting uh, bots. Um, the third season was interesting because they submerged like half the map in water. And I thought that was really cool, but then there was an Aquaman skin, and I was like, okay, a little weird. Oh, and the spy, the spy, the second season had Deadpool as the quote-unquote secret costume, uh, even though it was revealed right from the beginning. And I was like, okay, sure, <laughs> Deadpool, you know, irreverent, whatever. But then that third mm-hmm. season brought Aquaman, and then the fourth season was just straight up a Marvel season. Uh, yeah. I personally the... uh, hate it. Uh, I thought that the reboot of Fortnite was just exactly what I wanted to play. It's there's it's still over the top, you know. You're building these massive structures to to take down other players, but it never felt. I guess it it, it was like being in the countryside compared to being in like Times Square with. Mm-hmm. With sure. just like, I don't, I don't want to get political on this, but it, it just speaks to consumerism and how like, oh yeah, just throw Marvel onto it and you know, everybody's going to love it. And I'm just like, uh, just get that away yeah. from me. I don't want any of this stuff. Just, just give me a, a cool theme that doesn't have to deal with the outside world, make it its own like in-game events. But, and, and I understand so, why they do it. They do it for money. They do it for exposure. Um, do you, do you I'm not feel like it's losing its a- do you feel like it's losing its identity in all these crossovers and IPs and metaverse of other franchises that's becoming? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started playing Fortnite season, I think either like beginning of season nine of the last chapter, which it, they only went up to 10. But I remember during that, during some season, there was an area of the map that would turn you cell shaded because they were doing a, Borderlands promotion 
Uh-huh. At the same time, I remember that. At the same time, there's a part of the map where there was zero gravity because of the season's theme, and then to top that all off, Gotham City was in the middle of the of the map, uh, where you would I get. I don't remember the, that. What the heck? Well, yep. Um, and I just like why? Why do you have to have all these things at the same time? Can uh, it, it? It per and people people love this stuff. You know, uh, it's it's just not for me. Uh, especially that yeah. that Marvel season, I didn't even touch. I was like, I'm I'm over I'm over this. I might go back to the fifth. Se- this new season looks cool, but it, it's sort of. But then it too has a bunch and of. Then yeah, they added Mondo, and now they added Kratos, and there's a rumor that Master Chief is going to be in the game. Um, mm-hmm. eh, I just. Not just Mondo, uh, by the way. Baby Yoda's there with him. Yeah. Just sort uh, of floating there. I was going to say one thing. Yeah, uh, I can't believe... Um, it, is what it, it is what it is. It, at this point, I just got to accept it. What are you saying, Joe? I was going to say one thing. I can't believe that some things now exist. That's all I'll say. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I feel like... I feel like they're just... They're literally just throwing in whatever. Like like the Mandalorian stuff, like, like I get the whole, the whole scheme they're doing is, Oh, all these different realities are crashing together. But like Mandalorian kind of feels a little out of place more. So Kratos, I like master chief, I guess would feel a little, it's actually really interesting that Kratos is on all the systems. So like I saw a screenshot on Twitter. So I was like, Kratos is on my Xbox dashboard. And sure enough, it's a Fortnite thing with Kratos and a PlayStation logo in the center of his Xbox dashboard. Mm. So like the like the it, to anyone that says like the console wars like are the hottest they've ever been, I don't know. Like there's a PlayStation logo in the middle of the Xbox screen. Like there's kinda it's not really a war anymore. But um Yeah, it's just it's really interesting. And, and then you gotta wonder, like, is Nintendo gonna get involved? Like what's who's their bounty hunter? I mean Samus oh. seems like the go to. Oh but, yeah, Samus. Yeah, but I mean, Fox. in a way, I mean, yeah, only Star a... Fox almost feels like it fits better. Yeah, I would say Star Fox or Captain Falcon fit better. Oh, Captain Falcon's on. I mean, Captain, Captain Falcon. Fal- I mean, he is he is a bounty best. hunter. He has a gun and yeah. his holster that he never uses. He, probably, he would fit best, and they just mirror some of his like animations and moves from Smash. And that, no, that, to... that means that in, that means that Nintendo would have to acknowledge Captain Falcon. I know they have to make a new F Zero. It's well, perfect. I mean, Please do this, I mean, Nintendo. They, they do it. They, I think like their best like slap in the face to F Zero fans was Mario Kart Eight because they gave us a Captain Falcon skin. They gave us two F Zero tracks and the Blue Falcon, but you couldn't even play as Captain Falcon itself. Instead, you could play as Link and the villagers. It's like they had one chance. And the Inklings. And the, and the Inklings. Inklings. Eventually, but it's like no, let's, yeah. let's give Captain Falcon series so much love, but not him. Sakurai yeah. probably has has employees that don't even know what F Zero is, and they probably <laughs> they probably such think a that, weird that thought. Captain Falcon <laughs> it's an original, is just Smash like an original <laughs> character from the well, from, well you know yeah, what's, from Smash Bros. It was crazy. Like two weeks ago was the 30th anniversary I of the F Zero franchise, and like days. not a blip. Yeah, yeah, he. uh no one knows who he. I mean, even when they put him in Smash originally, like he was in the F Zero games, but no one knew what he was like outside his his vehicle. Like they, yeah. you know, they basically made up everything. But yeah, the F Zero anniversary was like two weeks ago. Not a single anything about oh, it. I have anywhere. no idea, but I don't even know exactly. when the year came out. 
I mean, yeah. What year the like, Zero it, uh, GX came out? Because that's the one I would care about. Two thousand three. It's been seventeen years, going on eighteen years. Do you remember yeah. what month it came out? The last out? stuff. I mean, the, August, late August is like the twenty sixth or something. Oh, no wonder, no wonder I wanted it for my birthday, or I got it for my birthday. Yeah, right around there. But it, uh, I think the last F Zero was G in the states was GP Legend. They released one in Japan after that called Climax. Um, both didn't do so hot, but I think GP Legend came out. It was on the Game Boy Advance, but it was like the tail end. It was like two thousand five or something. It was after the DS came out. So it's been like fifteen years since we saw any actual F Zero release. So if they wanted to like you know just throw them into Fortnite, that'd be cool. It's not gonna happen, but mm-hmm. but it's just it is interesting to your point about the crossroads kind of like I don't I, I yeah, I feel like it's just becoming like this marketing machine. Exactly. Like the game like it's it's and I, I will say for like all of Epic Games shenanigans here, like they know how to keep the game in the spotlight and they know how to turn around and make some money while doing it. Like all of these promotions are the hottest things at the hottest moment for them. You know, like apparently Travis Scott made more money with that Fortnite concert than he made with any regular tour stop. What? It, and stuff like it, like it's. I don't know how to feel about that. That sounds. What about the McDonald's stuff? Uh, <laughs> or what about his upcoming rumored like custom PlayStation? Like I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know about those. But he made a ton. He made like I can't remember the numbers. Like one point two million from that. And like a concert stop is like two hundred thousand or something like that. Like it's crazy, and Fortnite's really good at that. And like not only that, but they strategically not just do this stuff, but then they follow it up with the exact right thing at the exact right time. Like so, they did this event over the weekend, right? Where is I guess um, the Marvel culmination, and then like the next day or like three days later, Nintendo just casually is like, "Hey, here's a special Switch bundle that you know it's just out now." Like they didn't even announce it in advance. It's Cyber Monday, and there's like. Here's a new Switch bundle, and for 300 bucks you get a Fortnite skin Switch, like with a custom design with red and yellow Joy-Con. Uh, sorry, blue and yellow Joy-Cons. You get uh, the Wildcat bundle, which is a set of DLC, I guess, and 2,000 V bucks. And this is, you know, is again, right on the heels of V bucks. Yeah, I think it's that, twenty dollars worth. That will that will get you like one, really like cost a third. Mm, yeah, nope. that will just get you one really good skin. <laughs> Skins but like are all that. Expensive. All that happened like within days of the event. Like, there's that's not a coincidence. Like, it's very strategic, and you know, it's it, it's one of those things that like they did so cleverly. Because if you're a parent who wants to get your Fortnite loving kid a really cool holiday gift, or you know, maybe you just like tangentially tangentially heard or how you pronounce that word um, about what happened with you know over the weekend and the crossovers, and you're curious and want to maybe check out Fortnite, like. To have that like weighing in the wings and time it so perfectly, that's that's the strategy right there. And then like Epic at the same time, like launching a subscription service for Fortnite separate from the Battle Pass, like mere yeah, days before the big culmination. Offer? Yeah, so that thing it's called Fortnite Crew. Uh, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong about any of this. Uh, it's twelve bucks a month. You get the Battle Pass. You get a thousand V bucks, so ten bucks, and then you get a monthly crew pack that comes with like an exclusive outfit and other goodies. And it feels like I don't know. Is it a good deal? I I really can't, uh, I can't get yes it. because the season pass will usually run you. Uh, I think about nine dollars. So for but, three bucks but, more. But to be fair, if you complete the season pass, you will earn enough money to get the next season pass for free. Oh. Mm. So 
those those devious bastards. Now I realize what this is. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, they're so sneaky. That's actually pretty. That's Go genius. On. Well, yeah, Love because it. because now you're actively paying for a battle pass instead of getting it for yeah. free. The other sort of schemey thing here is oh, like they're it, crafty. <laughs> I, they're I literally crafty. just put two and two together right now. <laughs> Jesus. Also, it feels kind of money grabby because, like, now they have essentially two tiers of paid subscriptions in the game. Like, one's the Battle Pass, and the other's like Battle Pass Plus Plus. Yeah, that gets you paid for the Battle Pass twice. Like, it's it's yeah, it's just like it again. They're very good at making money. There's no doubt about that. But it definitely has like a kind of like sort of. I do I do find it funny that a lot of the comment sections for like this announcement that they're doing a season pass or or like this. Yeah, season pass. Um, or the monthly subscription, sorry. A lot of people are like, oh, this is just them trying to get money because they're trying to get money as fast as they can because this game is dying when they literally crashed Twitch with that Galactus event. This game isn't yeah. dead. This game isn't going to die anytime soon. This is a cultural watershed thing. It's not yeah. going anywhere that quickly. Yeah. I mean, even you know, and, a, and as, and as goes, much as a old man yelling at cloud, I am for these crossovers. It is a it is a fun game. I'm not gonna lie, it, it and it's a very, very effective mechanism to bring in new people. Yeah, and like you know, all those people are like, "Oh, the game's dying." Like those are the same people that are probably like, "Oh, Pokemon Go." Like that was a flash in the pan. Pokemon Go had its best year this year in terms of revenue. Really? Like it's killing it right now. Yeah. Or sorry, second first? best. Oh, okay. Sorry, second best. It's the best since the launch year. So year four is as good as year one, essentially. Um, but it made over like a billion, I want to say, or something like that. And it, it's like, you know, they reconfigured the game to work more when you're indoors because you can't go out as much because of COVID and everything. And like, you know, it, like Apple just spotlight is the, as one of the best apps of the year again. Like it's still chugging along, but you know, the same people are like, oh, well, Fortnite's dead or probably the ones that are like Pokemon Go's been dead for years. And it's a huge moneymaker. It's like the third highest revenue generating game on the app store like i think engine impacts number one i forget what's number two and this one's number three so you know it, it it there's a huge audience for these things for sure but i guess i guess my one concern is i i'm watching what's happening with fortnite i'm going wow that's a lot of money grabs that's a lot of weird crossovers and then i turn around and i look at rocket league which epic bought and i see it slowly moving I see it slowly moving in that same direction. Like, granted, they're not there yeah, yet. Everyone's like, moving the in that direction. Hearthstone literally just brought out an actual like season pass or battle pass of sorts, and they never. I don't had even that. mean just battle pass. I mean like, cause yeah, they did the I season mean, pass. It cost twenty five bucks. I mean, like the cro- twenty five bucks. What do you get for twenty five bucks? Um, just skins. That you for slowly bucks. unlock, right? Yeah, they just slowly unlock on a track. What makes this one weird? I mean, is that it's completely inoffensive or it's, yeah, I think that's the right word. As they usually are. Like this one, well, yeah, usually like, yeah, like they, they don't affect like the, the free to play player. Like this one is just like more bonuses. Like if you just want to give them more money, you get some more stuff in return. The only, I guess, quote unquote advantage you get out of this one is that every, there's like a, I guess like a track that you complete, you know, like a trophy road of sorts. And the more experiences you gain, the more stuff you unlock. And every, like, five levels, um, if you pay for that pass, you get, like, an upgraded skin or 
the ult in addition to whatever prize you get at the bottom. But every like ten levels, you get like a ten percent or five percent like boost to the experience you gain. So you know you could just finish it sooner, basically. Because at the very end of it, for every like additional level you go beyond the max level, you get like more in-game money. So that one's not bad. I mean, it's definitely less offensive than like Brawl Stars, and even that one's not that bad because that one. There are, like, characters you can unlock in the battle pass that are guaranteed. But if you don't get the battle pass, then you can just hope to unlock it in the, I guess, in the little loot box thing. But And and the, yeah. and the thing with those is, like, and I think where they're different from Epic's, what Epic's doing is, like, those are, like, okay, they're battle passes. They tie in directly to the game. They're very relevant. It's kind of like, you know, like Mario Kart Tour just this week added a new track for the first time to Mario Kart Tour, like a brand new track, not from another game. And it's, you know, it's called like Merry Mountain and it's It'd kind be of Christmas nice theme, but it still feels like Mario Kart. What? No, I said it'd be nice oh, if yeah, they had actually, to Mario Kart yeah. Deluxe. That, that would be nice. But no, but my point is like that still feels like it's part of the game. Like what you're saying about these passes and what you unlock still feels like part of the game. But what I'm seeing with Rocket League is like I'm seeing shades of what's happening with Fortnite because like they're doing uh for season two's pass they're doing an EDM theme and that makes sense because EDM like that genre has been very closely tied to Rocket League I feel like but uh so they're gonna have like a new arena called like Neon Fields and they're gonna have this cool feature they're adding where you can actually pick a music track to play whenever you score like that's actually kind of cool and there's a bunch Mm. of different items you can get that'll pulse with the music but the trailer for this had a virtual version of the DJ Cascade just in it, doing a DJ set for a bunch of cars. And I'm just like, why is there a human in the Rocket League trailer? There's no humans in this. They've done such a good job of making the licensing all feel like a natural fit and be like car-based and everything. And then they're like, look, it's Cascade with lasers shooting out of his stage, and there's a bunch of cars playing soccer in front of him. And it's just like, what? Like, And that that little – it's a minor, minor thing. But that idea like, oh, now we're putting humans in it because here's a big-name DJ. He's actually, actually kind of cool. He's making an EP of music just for the game that he'll then release on streaming. So that's kind of cool. But like having him like virtually in the game just felt – just immediately remind me of when Fortnite started like putting things that didn't make sense into Fortnite or things that felt like a marketing move more than a gameplay contribution or something that feels native to that gameplay environment. Yeah. I so like, I, more, I just have this thought a little more, uh, I guess grounded compared to like the Fortnite stuff, because this doesn't, this it doesn't is. necessarily feel like a marketing push to me. It, it just sounds like cascade is being featured because they are contributing to the soundtrack. Yeah, so apparently they struck a deal with the record label he's on, and they're doing a whole bunch of collaborative stuff with them, yeah. But, um, which is, again, kind of cool, but I'm just thinking, like, you know, it starts innocent enough, like, as you were describing how Fortnite kind of fell into its rabbit hole. Like, we're going down that slope, and I don't know if it's necessarily going to go there, but it is just something, seeing where Fortnite went, watching where Rocket League's going. They're adding cool stuff along the way, just like they did Fortnite, but there's definitely, in the background, there's just this little voice going, it's epic, you know what they're going to do, it's only a matter of time. So, we'll see, but... But right now, this stuff is cool. I really like the idea of having basically theme music play. Oh, I totally score. forgot that Epic now owns Psionics. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Now, I'm saying. That's, that's why it's why free to play, okay. right? No, no, now I yeah, just got that's how it's for Rocket League. Yeah, exactly. See, <laughs> yeah, because like, I mean, how long? You know, like Cascade DJing, even though it's very grounded, is not. You know, how far? How long until we have like Kratos in the game <laughs> or whatever? You know, like it, it, it's not. It's a slope. It's a slippery slope. Right. 
Um, it just, it just, I guess, feels like kind of a cheap way to extend a game's life, especially when like, you know, there were other ways to do it. Like Rocket League had a pretty healthy esports scene around it to prop it up a bit. And obviously, it's not the same scale as getting Cascade, but like, it seems like there are other ways you could do this without just the kind of cheap IP crossover that uh, Epic loves so much. But we'll see if it goes down that road. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll hold it back a little. Um, but it does remind me, Angel, you wanted to talk about something with esports, didn't you? I just said the word, and it reminded me I was good, that we were going to talk about it. So No, I actually want to save yours. that for our next episode because tomorrow we're actually going to be participating, continuing our long trek in our esport climb of Splatoon. And... Or it, by the time they listen to this, yesterday, by the time this goes live. Oh, that's right. By the time you listen... Tomorrow for us, yesterday for time travel purposes. I mean, they didn't know that. Now you just made it confusing. <laughs> Well, if we told me during a tournament on Monday, they'd be like, who had the tournament on Monday? Nintendo had one on Saturday. I mean, Tournaments are normally run yeah. during the week. Okay. Anyway, we'll see <laughs> it for the next episode, I guess. <laughs> but what we can talk about this episode, um, like those were the games that made news. Nintendo itself did not make any game news, but they tried their best to make up for it with that new Switch firmware that came out. Uh, it actually introduced some new features. Oh, man. And some very baffling ones, some very Nintendo-y choices. Um, I feel like before we go down this, this, this rabbit hole of complaining, we should probably point out there is some good stuff in this update. Honestly, there is. Like, first of all, new Mario icons for your user icon. Uh, that's kind of cool. I imagine they will not expire on March 31st like everything else Mario. I mean, literally that day, they're literally now shutting down Super Mario Maker on the Wii U on that day as well. Really? I don't know why. Yeah, they're sunsetting the entire online infrastructure for that game, and you'll only be able to share courses in the Switch version. So, um, But new icons, that's a plus. Um, Download prioritization, you can actually pick which things you want to download before other things. Cloud backups, uh, the save data will automatically download to any Switch you log into with your Nintendo account. You don't have to go manually pull it. That's kind of nice. One thing I actually like, is the they have a trending page now on your list of friends so you can see what your friends are playing. And it seems like kind of a duh idea, like, especially if games, you know, are going viral off word of mouth. But I, I don't know, I just think it's clever. Like, there's already, first of all, a lot of instances of, you know, when a big new game launches and everyone points out on social media how, like, all their friends list is playing it. Like, I remember it happened with Mario 3D All-Stars, happened with Smash, happened with Animal Crossing, probably most notably. So Nintendo kind of leveraging that concept and running with it makes a lot of sense, especially since, you know eShop discoverability these days is so much harder. Like, there's so many games available. I mean, the the cyber deals we were talking about when you were talking about Enter the Gungeon sale, Angel, at the mm. top of the show, that was one of 1,500 games that was on sale. Like, how do you even find the right discount? 1,500 games. I think it's technically 1,477 or something, but I rounded. But still, that's a <laughs> ton of games. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm sorry. Uh... Uh, keep keep going. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you guys what I left it. Okay, sure. But anyway, point is that's a lot of games. And it's hard to find discounts, and so any new like conduit of information about what games are available on top of the eShop discoverability, on top of the news channel, on top of the various direct videos, on top of those new Nintendo Rewind summary videos they publish online at the end of every month, on top of the indie world like social channels, like on top of all of that, having this other way of seeing what your friends are playing or seeing what's bubbling up and getting that where mouth going like that makes sense to me i like the trending page for that purpose and i think the the interface is kind of cool where you could break it down and which friends have played it and by how much and all that um why and, and and honestly i think like 
that same logic is probably why they integrated a Switch Online dashboard into the Switch, like proper, with that new page app, whatever you want to call it. But that's also where probably the more baffling decisions begin. And Angel, I imagine that's one of the nitpicks you had when you let out that exasperated noise when I said the firmware update. Am I right? Is the Switch Online app one of the things you don't get? Yeah, it just feels... Everything about it just feels wrong. Almost, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, it's funny because in, in concept... In concept, I guess especially aesthetically. I think it's a good addition. Well, the icon. Yeah. I mean, we can't talk about it without talking about the icon. Like, yeah. So here's the thing. I like, like the icon. Really? You, you guys think it? Yeah, I think I'm I'm usually the guy that, that likes to crap on Nintendo a lot. I nice like sword. the icon. It, it doesn't match the aesthetic of the other icons. Like, it's weird because I don't even mind, like, I'm weirdly okay with the Switch UI. I don't mind the lack of folders. I mean, I didn't use my iPhone's folders until eight weeks ago, so maybe I'm not the best person to say I don't mind the lack of folders. But, like, I don't mind the lack of folders. I like the minimalism. I just – it, it, it just – consistency. Like, the Switch Online icon just – it isn't. It sticks out. It looks like someone stuck a sticker on top. And what's even weirder is someone on Twitter knows the icon isn't centered. The Switch logo is off-center in the icon. Like, what are you doing in Okay, well, well, they, well, they can fix that. It's funny how I'm the one that's least bothered by this, considering that I'm the guy that gets mad when my box set of Mission Impossible doesn't – isn't, like, consistent like the covers. <laughs> Right, right. But uh So why are you you really don't mind this? You think it's fine? No, I, I mean it's not yeah. horrible, but Yeah, I'm I'm totally okay. fine with it. I, I think it's because I got normalized to it on the uh on the PlayStation five. The the PlayStation store icon doesn't really match the like settings or the discover tab, like it definitely mm. pops up it's just eh, it, it's it's fine. I, uh, it, it gives it a nice I, little pop, honestly. That's how I feel. I, I do understand the design logic. The best way to get someone to act on a call to action, like I, I know this from doing website stuff um, at work, the best way to get someone to act on a call to action is to contrast it from everything else on the page. And that certainly does. <laughs> so I will give them that. And I, I do think in in like concept, I kind of like the Switch Online app. Like, Andrew, I'm kind of curious why you don't like it because I actually like – like it does let you easily see what your subscription gets you and it's kind of like a hub of everything like you know being able to browse all the free classic games in one spot is pretty nice and as silly as it is like even the I mean I think my the impressions little random are more, birthday cake icon my my impressions but, were definitely more knee jerky I mean it's just something I'm not going to use so I guess we'll just leave it at that like it does it doesn't yeah, offer me anything of value that's fair. I, th- I think, honestly, if they were to sunset the individual NES and Super Nintendo apps and put those I mean, options and controls and clean up the UI and put it in this one place, you have a sortable list. You get fun facts about it that tie into your birthday. Like, this game's this much older than you and things like I that. Mean, like, it, it, it's a nice little way to sort. You can sort by genre, by platform. It, it's handy. I mean, it does do, like, some things that I think are great in the sense that, yeah, like, I mean, it is great for that info to be out there i mean i literally know someone that like posted in a in a chat that i follow that they're like hey um nintendo just released over like 100 nes and snes games on the switch and everyone was like wait what like new ones <laughs> but yeah. i guess like because you know kind of like you said like it makes it clear what is part of your subscription they literally just never knew that they were that they had those games so i mean that's great I mean, not, not like, and it, they're probably like, whoa, yeah. 
But Warriors is like, wait, no, nah, they've been tricking those things up like forever. But and not like, just that, but like, so that's definitely said a lot. Like, so really, maybe this was a long time coming. Yeah, and like honestly, I think it's really great they included an events tab. Like, if if you're in a given game or follow Nintendo or like the Nintendo Versus account on Twitter, you know about stuff like the rotating open tournaments for Mario Tennis and Mario Kart and the Splatoon one we're doing this weekend. Um, and you you know you may see something about that in the news app. Perhaps you happen to boot up Tetris 99 at the right moment and you see, oh, hey, this weekend is also the Mario Anniversary Maximus Cup and you can net like a new uh, Mario All-Stars skin, which, yes, of course, if anyone's wondering, I will be doing that because I have every single skin and I'm not going to miss one. Um, I got to keep the collection going. But my point is like having that on a hub, like all that stuff your subscription lets you participate in, it does feel useful to have that on your Switch instead of having to go – to so many different places and hopefully you're on the right youtube channel or you follow the right twitter or you see the right thing when you boot up a game um and the same kind of goes with the other tabs like having a spot, a spot that shows what products you can get discounted you know like the physical controls that's kind of nice um like the fact that you did have to go to a bunch of different sites and a bunch of different landing pages and know what those sites are and know what those social channels are that always was kind of odd like it was so decentralized and so scattershot but so so having this app is nice but it, the thing that i don't understand is why was none of this in the switch online mobile app this whole time like why did they have this app on your phone that they say is your hub for all your switch online activity and your voice chat stuff and they never bothered making a small tab to say like here's other things you can buy from us or here's things you can do with this or like here's games that have tournaments maybe you want to go pick one up so you can participate or like not to get crazy but here's the trending games among friends or who's online like it's so weird that they waited three years two years i guess because the service was a year late to um make an app and launch this thing and you know they did that and then they waited two years to be like by the way here's what you're paying for and here's how we're gonna suck more money out of you they just kind of assumed like oh it's fine no one wants to give us more money and no one wants to use what they bought it's so strange and then they launched it on the Switch, which makes a certain amount of sense. But then the app that was much easier for them to update, I'm sure, they just never did. Still doesn't. Still doesn't have the stuff that the, the um, app on the Switch has. It's Maybe really it's because bizarre. they know that everybody hates that app that they would rather probably just pawn it off to the Switch. And, and yeah. Say like, oh, a new experience instead of having to, you know, blow the dust off that app. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I think the one that gets. Oh, I think me yeah. The most. Sorry, you're about to, you say something? No, I think you're about to say it anyway. Yeah, the one that gets me the most is the image sharing yeah. stuff. Is that where you? Yeah, that, like that, couldn't they have figured out a way to just send everything to the app? But I don't know. So, so to, to walk people through who haven't updated the Switch 11.0 yet, um, they introduced a new way to share images more easily off your Switch. So right now you can use the share sheet inside the Switch, and your your tweets are still limited to 140 characters, which is bizarre. But um, you know you can do that, and that's it. So you can share an image at a time or a group of images in a tweet. And if you want to get them onto a computer, you either have to pop the SD card out or like have a like a fake Twitter account that you post them to and then delete the tweet or you know whatever. Now now it's so much easier because you can either a and I use easier loosely. You can either A, plug in a USB device and just transfer them, which, okay. Or, my favorite, um, there is a two QR code transfer system. One, you uh, scan the QR code, and then what it does is it connects your phone to your switch, which is spoofed as its own server. So it Wait, turns what? off your phone's... 
Yes. So what it does oh, is it takes your no. <laughs> Yep. It creates basically a wireless LAN network between your phone and itself. So your phone connects to the QR code triggers a special um network and your switch meanwhile starts broadcasting out a Wi-Fi signal and that Wi-Fi signal if you go to a set IP address which when you scan the second QR code it sends you to on your phone that set IP address will load your image or video or whatever in and it loads it as like a blank web page with just the image or the video on and they just you know tap it to save it and whatever but yeah it's literally turning your switch into its own little private personal hotspot with its own little independent server and then you have to scan the second QR code to get the IP address for that server and then the image shows up on your phone and then you can save it they can figure this shit out, but they can't figure out <laughs> Smash Bros. netcode. Correct. It's almost more impressive that it felt like they took the harder route. <laughs> they clearly took the harder route. And what's amazing about it is, like, someone on Twitter made a really good point. Like, Nintendo was probably thinking not, like, oh, like, we could just put it in the app, but, like, let's do this. Like, they're, they're so forward-thinking. When they shut down Switch Online, when they shut down this app in eight years – you can still transfer your photos because your Switch is its own on-demand network. Pretty forward-thinking, if you ask me. They're probably <laughs> – Nintendo R&D is probably, like, so stoked that they figured how to do this. They're like – It's just this, so – Oh, my God, Nintendo babies, what is you doing? Like, <laughs> I just love it takes two QR codes because first you have to scan it to trigger the network, and they have to scan it to get the web page. They couldn't even combine those into one. I mean, you literally can't. That's that's not Nintendo's fault. But um, what? <laughs> like, what are you doing, Nintendo? So, um, Angel, did you have more thoughts on that, or did I sort of cover it? That pretty much covers it. It's like, it's not that bad. I mean, it, no, it's bad. I mean, it, it works. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just happy it works. I'm, I mean, honestly, the yeah. only thing that kind of redeems it. No, it doesn't really redeem it. The only thing that makes it not total, like, terrible is just the fact that you can, like, you know, send things in bulk. But it's only 10. I think it's up to 10. Which, yeah. you know, does kind of suck. It's like at that point, like, why not just allow you to send as many things as possible? But honestly, at this point, it's just faster to take out the SD card, stick it in, like, a converter, and just put it on your computer, and bam. But... Which also is what you've been able to do since twenty. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like they came up with these like half step sort of things. <sighs> yeah, if, if anything, doing it this way is more inconvenient. Jesus. All right. Well, but have, at least it's a new option. You, have either of you done uh, photo transfers this way? Like, um, how long does it take? I, I haven't done I it yet. I tried I mean, just to test it out. In um, the past, I've just like tweeted it out, <laughs> copied the picture, and then deleted the tweet. Truthfully, it's not that long. I mean, you you connect. Okay, you, you open it up. You a, get to... The fact that you had to say it's not that long. It's okay, definitely it's, not it's as seamless long. as if. Yes, it is. It's not as seamless as if you could transfer it to the app directly. It's not as seamless as if you just tweet it out directly. But you know, you open it and it's like, all right, scan the first QR code, and then you do, and then it thinks for a second. It's like cool, and then the second QR code lights up. Meanwhile, your phone's like switching networks. You see it go off your home Wi-Fi, go to like you know. Uh, your cell service and then a minute or like not a minute like 10 seconds later kick in the switch wi-fi um and then the second qr code's there and then you scan that and then you get your image and you have to get back off that network and back on your regular network so you know it's like maybe uh, it 25 seconds its own network oh my god yeah yes it does yes it does i think you mean impressive yeah 
It's it, I mean it's a technical feat. Technically it shouldn't happen, but it's a technical feat. Um, so you know what? Let, let's counterbalance that firmware silliness. Um, because Nintendo also made some news with Universal Studios by announcing good news: Super Nintendo World is opening ahead of schedule or ahead of the behind it previously was. So still still behind the initial date, but ahead of the oh, new date. Oh oh oh! But, but sorry, before we move on to that, the thing that I was yeah. laughing at. Uh, you know how mm-hmm. you brought up the the new uh, icons, yeah. The new like profile pictures. One of the yeah. comments in the uh, Nintendo Life article is: Will the Mario anniversary icons also disappear at Go the first of March? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they probably will. Knowing Nintendo, I don't know what what happens on April first, twenty twenty one. Is there something they know we don't like? Does an asteroid hit? Like what? Is it about that deadline? Yeah, they're, 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 for they're acting like those like, guys in that one episode of uh, Parks and Recreation that are selling the flutes, oh, yeah. or that, that Ron <laughs> is selling the flutes to, and they're like, will you yeah. take a check? Oh, hopefully you can deposit it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 strange. I like, I don't know, there's rumblings, by which I mean internet hopeful, think wishful thinking that um, maybe Nintendo's going to do some sort of overhaul switch online around then, and that's why all these things are ending, so they're going like, to redo the account system, but I don't buy that. Oh yeah, with with a new cool, crack team that's creating oh, yeah. private networks, private routers for everyone, or private networks for everyone. Yeah. Listen, here's what they're gonna do: is if you if you have a switch that has its own it's its own private server, and there's another switch that's its own private server. What if Nintendo could devise a way that they can talk to each other through your phone line? Think about it. Could be real innovative. Well, a five G isn't gonna be the thing to kill us. All right. It's this private Nintendo network that are Switch. <laughs> yep. Is gonna yep. Be you better get your Faraday boxes for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Universal, unless there's anything else, I guess Universal Studios is kind of the last story before we get to our big contest. Um, and that is that it's, it's opening February 4th. Um, and they made the announcement by showing off some photos of the now confirmed augmented reality enhanced Mario Kart rides waiting area. Not the ride, just, you know, where you go stand for the ride. Um, but here's the thing. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the photos. In my opinion, if the park is as of high quality as that waiting area is, we are in for a real treat because that waiting area looks really nice. Like, it's inside Bowser's Castle, and it looks it looks good. I mean, Angel, that statue, I imagine you must have been very excited when you saw that. <laughs> no words. No words. By the time uh, that we know, as in as in as in what as in speechless, what? but yeah. Oh, what were you saying, Kevin? Uh, by the time that we time per- that we get out of quarantine, I'm pretty sure I can recreate Super Mario Land at my house. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're never going back to Tokyo, boys. No, no this, is no, this is no soccer. Well, that's this okay. No it's it's, no and it's going to open in LA in a few years, so it's fine. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so like LA opens up it. 20 years oh, from now. Good, good one, yeah. Jason. But no, the, the, <laughs> but honestly, that waiting, like the amount of detail, I mean, the statue where I'm referring to for those who haven't seen the photos, we'll link to them in the blog post, but it's Bowser. It's a huge stone Bowser, like huge. And like it's in this waiting area that has like a red carpeted staircase, like Mario 64, and there's like a trophy oh, wall. With you know, all people the, are going to be like taking pictures of themselves, like pretending to jump backwards there all day. Oh, of course, of course. It's going to be great. I, I love that they did this. There's going to be a line for that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be walking, and we're going to have to wait for Jason to get his photo. 
Oh yeah. I you're, we're not even gonna be walking. We're not gonna move. I'm just gonna be taking photos the whole time. We're gonna take like a step. He will be left behind. Go on a given day. No, no. That will be. I don't need I'll, pictures. Everything will live in my head. I need pictures. Instagram. Unless it's Bowser related. But anyway, the only picture they'll take. I I am actually curious when we do like before we get there. How is Universal gonna handle like you? A launch oh. like this with coronavirus? <laughs> no, no, not me. I'll be fine. But like, I mean, Japan isn't nearly as bad as here in the states. Like. Nobody's as bad as here in the states. Packs just but released the, that like tentative like schedule. I know, for packs, which like, oh, is probably not going to happen. Yeah, you poor naive, you poor beautiful poor babies. <laughs> but yeah, like I am kind of wondering like how they're going to handle COVID over there because one of the final comments in uh, Bloomberg had video footage from the park from the waiting area, and one of the final comments from the reporter was like, "It's actually kind of small," which you know, um, how's that work with crowds and spacing? Because you can't have a small space with a lot of people. So I'm kind of Did curious what you're going to do. Small space as in like very cramped or just a small That's... footprint of the entire Universe Studios? I think they mean it's a small footprint, but there's going to be a huge rush because this thing, you know, has so much pent up oh, sure. demand. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it actually it leads to a different question. I'm kind of curious how much they're going to – like what's going to open at the start and how are they going to roll out? Because like what we've seen – is the Mario Kart ride's waiting area. But we also know that there's that calmer Yoshi ride where, like, you know, you literally ride on, like, the back of a Yoshi. And then there's the wristbands that grant you coins as you walk around. And then you've got the cafe and the gift shop. And separately, like, over in Osaka proper, I guess, um, opposed to, like, being in the theme park, Nintendo's also now setting up a dedicated Kirby store, which is kind of interesting. And then Bloomberg also reported that uh, the Donkey Kong Country expansion, which is rumored, is already underway. So I guess it's not rumored. So it seems like Osaka in general is going to become kind of like this hub of Nintendo franchises. But like, what does that like? I mean, initially we were going to go ASAP, like collectively, the group of us. And I still do want to get there like quickly after the pandemic's over. But there's a part of me that's like, maybe in a weird way, waiting longer may be better. Because like things are sort of trickling in. They're not launching this as just like, here's Nintendo World. They're like, oh, here's Mario Kart, it seems like. Or maybe Yoshi is coming. They just didn't feel the need to show it off. Like, I don't know. And we haven't even touched on other things that, like, you know, in some recent promo art for Super Nintendo World, there's a Pikmin randomly. Could be an Easter egg. Could be a hint of something in the park. Maybe there's, like, hidden Pikmin that are kind of, like, its version of Disneyland's hidden Mickeys. Like, I don't know. But all this stuff seems to be happening, but there's really no way of knowing when it's happening. Like, all we know is there's this Mario Kart ride called Koopa's Challenge, and that's it. So I'm kind of curious, like, what the pacing of this is going to be in Universal... Even with, you know, I think we're at 12 weeks, maybe less, they're still not really saying the full story. They've always been, like, drip-feeding it. So I'm kind of curious what it's going to look like and how small is small. So those are my ponderings. I don't know if you guys have ponderings about this, but that's kind of what I've been stewing over since I saw the videos. definitely haven't been pondering what you're pondering. I can say that. Oh, well, I, I, I tend to ponder a lot, especially when I try to ponder for things to talk about on the podcast and its ponderings. Mm. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. Don't get me wrong. It looks awesome. I'm just kind of wondering, like, how how's this going to be? And I'm sure, um, I'm sure whatever happens, great memories will be made. And speaking just of memories. Just not by us listen, anytime soon. Just not by us anytime soon. But speaking of memories. Remember when we were like, oh, yeah, we'll just go, we'll just go 2021 after the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
well, whatever probably, probably happened to the Olympics. They're just indefinitely postponed. They're next so. August. No, they're next August as of now. I mean, yeah, as of we'll now. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah, so as of now, we'll see if it sticks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can check out the 2020 Olympics in Marinsock at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games, available now on your Nintendo Switch. Well, not on my Switch. I don't have it on my Switch. Well, available for your Switch. Oh, gotcha, I don't know gotcha. either. Yeah, I should I should wear that better. But yeah, speaking of memories, I was trying to do a really lame transition to our final thing. Unless you guys have thoughts on Nintendo World that we haven't touched on. But we do have to give away a Game & Watch. And with it comes Mario Memories. Um, so we asked everyone that wanted to enter to tell us their favorite Mario memory. And I think it's only fair if we share our favorite Mario memories too. Can't be one-sided. Can't be hypocrites. So I can go first. Um, it's funny because there's the one that should be is oh like experiencing the you know going from Super Mario World to Mario 64 from that 2D 3D that jump like stretching his face for the first time like all that is a great memory and I feel like that should that should quote unquote be the one but honestly it was the launch of Mario Sunshine that sticks out of me as like the peak like Mario moment in my life because I think I was at like peak Yikes. fanboy at that time oh i'm so sorry like i hey listen, listen it, it was a choice i made you to have your... yeah i love sunshine I no love no just just to, have, have... just to have peak so young to not have oh, anything to, to not have anything <laughs> after that moment reach that high like oh, I'm so sorry. well no it was like all summer i was like i was like that the gamecube early gamecube era like i'd say from like 2000 to like so you've never been that happy before. i don't know was <laughs> I didn't say no. I didn't say it was a happiness thing, but there was definitely like a like that whole summer. I was really excited for Mario Sunshine. I remember all like Nintendo Power had so many previews, and I remember they launched a website back on like whatever 2002's internet was, and I was all about was, like saving all the like all the gif like transparent gifs of the Piantas and all the different characters. And like what I ended up doing is I was so psyched that um, at the start of August or like a month before um, it came out, the end of August, I actually made in Microsoft Word with word art my own tearaway countdown and i would i like i made a sheet it had the art that i took from the official site it had like the mars sunshine logo i made everything look tropical and then i made cut out like printed and cut out tearaway pages so, like 30 days 29 days 28 days and i like built this thing and put it on the fridge with like magnets and was like so excited for this game and i think what was most rewarding about it is then the game came out and it totally lived up to what I want it to be. And there's just like a week or two of just pure like, mm. this is so awesome, like gaming, right before I went back to school. And it was like the whole summer like culminated with Mario Sunshine. And, you know, even even when they showed it at Space World, when Nintendo stole Space World, and um, and I saw it online, like with the whole like shine get, because, you know, that's what they did in Japan, it says shine when you got shine and what? all that. And like Planet Game, and like Planet GameCube at the time, um, did like a dvd of like footage from you could like buy for like 10 bucks this dvd that was like oh all the space world and e3 highlights i think it might have just been e3 and like mario sunshine was like the main thing and i purchased it and had it shipped to my house and i was like all about it i was so psyched and it completely delivered on what i wanted it to be and that was like a really cool experience to go through because like obviously you know galaxy's a better game um you know, there's been other Mario moments, like there's been other fanboyish Nintendo moments, like when the Wii came out. I was super psyched for that, but um, there's something like 
I don't know, something maybe because it's like the first go round of something. Yeah, I mean, at your that level for me, your really cool. your your excitement definitely tends to come more from the buzz around the game than the games themselves. So I could definitely no, see... but I really had a great few. I had a great time with the game right up until I had to go back to school. Like, oh yeah, but well, I mean, even that freaking manta ray boss, I was super like. I he was I hated him, but I was so oh, yeah. like oh that's just yeah, so but, but, awesome. But you could tell like <laughs> like the you know like how you were describing like just like the oh, man I remember you blanking out on it. Um, like the anticipation, the anticipation, like the how you were like collecting all the gifts from the sites, like the promotion around it. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, which is cool, but I mean, it definitely sounds like very Jason. So, and I could definitely see why like you. That's a lot of that is lost after Sunshine because you know in the age of the internet you don't really have as much. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there's many different ways to really like promote and like hype people up because everything is just in one spot now. I feel like there's just... also instant. Too. Yeah, I feel like everything is gradual and you really do have to like wait for these announcements. So this is one of the yeah. yeah like, I, mean, I, like... I, I totally can see why this one would be like peak. Kind of right. how like. I don't know. I would say like almost like the hype for brawl is kind of like that. Like I think there was definitely more hype anticipation for brawl than there maybe was for like ultimate and any game after brawl probably. Well, it, and it was the first with the dojo, wasn't it? So it was yeah, first dojo. So like that daily drip feed. I mean, it was kind the first of one with those crossovers the... as well. Like I mean, it was that first mind blowing one. Yeah, it went from like, True. oh my god, like what are they gonna do next? To now, where we're like, all right, just give us the next person because I wasn't happy with this last one. But right. Yeah. So what? So would you? Would you? I guess it qualifies because he's in it. Would you say the brawl lead up was one of your favorite? Like, what's your favorite Mario memory? Uh, it's definitely a more recent one because I mean they just kind of keep evolving. Um, uh-huh. I mean you know it's always just like those first few moments that like I get to play a new Mario game that I'm always like really excited about. But I would probably say like just like off the top of my head like the one that I cherish the most is um just playing through. Super Mario 3D World with Elvis. Like, because mm. up until then, like, we both, like, individually, 100%, every 3D platform Mario game, like, every single one, we both, like, do everything. So to be able to do one together was just, I don't know, it was incredible. Like, just doing, like, the every boss together, like, helping each other out, like, cheating some of the levels because, like, we would, like, take advantage of the fact that we have these two people. I don't know, it was just an amazing feeling that I wish we had more of because, like, I know I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before, but my favorite kind of games are like co-op games. Um, like I think that's why like, like I know we've mentioned many times that like Resident Evil Five, Resident Evil Six, as not great of Resident Evil game Six was. Like I loved it so much because it was just a really fun co-op game, or Revelations Two, but Super Mario 3D World was just a really fun co-op game, and it just had a bunch of really difficult levels towards the end that made it worth it. Like especially those like three extra worlds after like it just kept going and going usually you just get like one super hard level or maybe one bonus mm-hmm. world but this one just had a ton i mean it was i don't know i that's part of why like i'm really excited about well maybe not really excited but kind of excited for the switch port only because of the new content but like mm-hmm. i don't know if i really want to play through all of that with like because, you know, like, my brother and I, like, it's, like, kind of been there, done that. We would need to change it up. Like, that's kind of why I'm looking more forward to maybe playing it with, like, you and our two other friends. Because that would be, like, a completely different group. Because I know, like, Elvis probably wouldn't right. want to replay Mario 3D World again. Maybe just the Bowser stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Just 
any any game that lets me do that, it's always going to be up there. How wholesome! That's a good one. <laughs> what, what what about you, Kevin? Do you have one? Uh, probably opening up my Nintendo Wii on Christmas Day and were you in sixty four kid before the Wii? No. no. <laughs> Uh, Shouting Wii at uh, the top of your lungs. Nintendo Wii. Probably. Nintendo Wii. Probably opening that up and playing Galaxy for like, I don't know, eight hours straight. Just the oh. amount of whimsy. Just the amount of whimsy and and smiles that that game brought to like my entire family that, that were just watching me play this game. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it's. I don't know. We, it was just, yeah don't really have and, and, more to say than that i think it's just mario galaxy is such a such a perfect treasure. game it's just yeah and the fact that they yeah. stuck it in that collection <laughs> at least the updates are something out galaxy 2 but yeah. yeah yeah at least they fixed the inverse control things for sunshine with that software update yeah, they also got rid of the little oh. geo cubes from sunshine oh yeah the, the little and gamecube support which is really interesting yeah. yeah i mean hey if the if they can support with smash why not with it's funny and they added um, galaxy 2 which is nuts okay that they did if they did that that would have been amazing even if they do it as cool. dlc like that would be pretty cool but um yeah so i guess with that um we should probably just point out before we pick our winner that a lot of people the majority of people 60 percent uh said mario 64 memories were their favorite memory um in fact our winner who we pulled out of a hat also said mario 64 but uh there were a couple shout outs for super mario world there's a shout out for mario 3 uh paper mario got a shout out as well which was interesting but yeah, our our uh, the biggie was Mario sixty four and the idea of like experience Mario in three D for the first time. And our um our winner is Leonard M. And his uh he I'll just share his memory. He uh it was playing Mario sixty four when he was a kid. He was so happy, excited because it was a truly unique experience because you travel around different worlds inside the castle. Is his first time experiencing a three D game too, so he was amazed. And yeah, he was the name we pulled out of a hat. So he is getting a game and watch. Super Mario Brothers system. Damn, congrats! Um, that's a really nice prize. Yeah, and bam, bam, yeah, bam, it bam. is. And thank you to everyone who entered. I feel like I was very nonchalant with announcing him, but what you gotta do? We've been talking for over two hours, it's, and it's one it, in the morning. It's one in the morning. <laughs> and Jason wanted so, me to you know, talk about esports. <laughs> well, I didn't expect our episode goes long. I mean, remember at the top, I didn't even know what this episode was gonna be. So, here well, we I, I knew it was gonna go. Wondered, I knew it was um, gonna go on for a while, but I, I like the more I thought about it, um. Because we are, like I mentioned, entering a tournament. Yeah. This time tomorrow, tomorrow being Saturday. Um, yeah, there's something that I want to kind of go through tomorrow to see if I just to flesh out some thoughts on it. Because I don't know, there's some pretty right. interesting stuff um, that kind of opened my eyes to both Nintendo esports with Arms and Splatoon Two, and just how Korea handles their esports scene, which just kind of blew my mind. Like. Some of them might be common knowledge, but I had no idea there were. It was this crazy, but yeah. And what a good tease for the episode where we'll be discussing that, which is our next round Nintendo, which arrives on December twentieth. It's also our game of uh, our game award goodness episode. We're going to be talking about the game awards and the highlights and the announcements from that. Plus, we're going to have our own game of the year picks. Um, so you don't want to miss that episode for Angels Esports stuff and all that game of the year stuff. 
Um, also before that, we have a quarantine chronicles, um, this coming weekend in the, in, in the in between of the two shows. Um, and yeah, to make sure you don't miss any of this stuff, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on everything. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Our YouTube is RandomNintendo.com. Uh, we're individually on Twitter at our various names. I'm JSR7. Andrew's W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. I forgot to say this when we announced Leonard as our winner, but Leonard, keep an eye out for an email so we can get your mailing info so we can get you your game and watch. And everyone else, um, keep an eye on our channels and everything because, you know, this isn't the only giveaway. We got one more in us before the end of the year. So um, I'll leave it at that, but as always, Kevin, we do. Uh, Kevin, I will give you the final word. I'm like still thinking about that Nintendo photo sharing process. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>